What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. 56% of job seekers say their biggest challenge is finding a job that matches their qualifications, according to an Express Employment Professionals Harris Poll survey. The job search can be a lonely process, but Express Employment Professionals can be your one connection to finding a job that fits. Each year, hundreds of thousands of people find work through their local Express office. Find the location near you at ExpressPros.com. With no fees for job seekers, visit ExpressPros.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is straight out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! With the voice of Vegas, your host, RJ Bell. Pay that man his money. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Live from the Vegas Strip, the pregame show America has always wanted. Here's Bernie Fratto. UFC welterweight champ Kamara Usman's 15-fight winning streak has come to an end. At UFC 278 in Salt Lake City Saturday night, Leon Edwards knocked out Usman with a head kick late in the fifth round of their bout. Fight coming after earlier in the day, UFC president Dana White claimed he facilitated a deal for Tom Brady to play for the Las Vegas Raiders when Brady was a free agent back in 2020. But White said then Raiders head coach John Gruden nixed the deal at the last minute. Speaking of Brady, his Buccaneers lost more than their preseason game against the Titans on Saturday. Left guard Aaron Stinney was carted off with a left knee injury. Head coach Todd Bowles says the team is awaiting more tests on the injury. Dodgers shut out the Marlins 7-0. L.A. pitcher Dustin May returned from Tommy John surgery, striking out 9-5 and five scoreless in his first big league start since May 2021. I'm Nick Cope. Well, you've heard me say it a million times. Sports... They're the greatest reality show going, and you can script everything but the ending. And you know this show also has a mantra. There's an old saying, man's mind stretched to a new dimension never returns to its original state. We are here to stretch tonight. And on that note, I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. You know, today was the last 
Saturday on the calendar that there will be no more college football. Boy, that's about as clunky English as there can be. Let's try that again. Today was the last Saturday on the calendar that there isn't college football for many, many, many more weeks heading into December. We're now less than seven days from week zero, so, man, we're going to get busy. Over the next ten weeks, there's at least one game that jumps out at me based on storylines, and I can only watch one game every week. I'll tell you what that game is, and, well, we'll see what your thoughts are as well. Tonight, we'll visit that theory in chronological order. Now, football season also means contest time here in Las Vegas. The prestigious Hilton now Westgate Super Contest. Circa has a couple. The Golden Nugget, William Hill. In about 15 minutes, Todd Dewey of the Las Vegas Review-Journal will join us to talk about the various major contests here that anyone can join. You have to join in Las Vegas, but you can play from anywhere. And uh, especially, again, of course, the prestigious Westgate Super Contest, among others. Later, I'll give you a quick rundown of which schools in college performed the best against the spread last season, and, well, which ones did the worst. Plus, I want to have a quick rundown of the topsy-turvy NFL preseason from a betting standpoint over the first couple, three weeks. Sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They're a shared experience. As such, people want to talk about them. You have come to the right place tonight. We've got a lot to talk about. This is Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. And as they say in Prince Rogers, Nelson, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. All right, week zero, It's I, I can't remember what year they coined that term, but it's sort of appropriate because there are college games, but they're not the big type marquee games that you have come to love. Although, season will kick off 9.30 a.m. here Pacific time next Saturday in Dublin, Ohio, in Dublin, Ireland. See, I almost said Dublin, Ohio. That's the, uh, I believe that's the birthplace of our Brady Quinn. I've been to Dublin, Ohio, just outside of Columbus, or it's in Columbus. Nice uh, nice mall there, very nice area. But Nebraska visits Dublin, Ireland. They're a 12.5-point favorite against Northwestern. And there are many games in Week 0, but i got to tell you, that's the one to watch because Scott Frost, who did wonderful things at Central Florida, but not so much at Nebraska, and I was wrong. I thought he'd turn that program around. And this week he commented that he knows his team is really working hard because he looks around the field and he can see multiple players throwing up. Yeah, I guess that's the new uh, benchmark. Well, I remember Hell Week in high school, we had guys throwing up. I don't know that that was the benchmark. Perhaps he's, perhaps it's a... It's a Freudian slip because if Scott watched this team play last year in the last five years, perhaps he was throwing up. I don't know. And now they're projecting. I guess in one I guess in one sense it adds a new dimension to the football term yak, if you get my drift. Okay, good night, folks. I've been here. Don't forget to try the uh, semi-boneless spaghetti. All right, so we've got Week 0 Nebraska-Northwestern, and I think Nebraska beat them like a million to seven last year, so we'll see what happens. Then we flip to week one, and it starts to get real. Notre Dame visits Ohio State. Now, this is a Big Ten game, as it were, because you get down to business. If you're Ohio State, I believe Ohio State's like a 17-point favorite. The game is in Columbus. This is not a traditional rivalry, but it, the Big Ten really gets rolling uh, Thursday when Penn State is at Purdue, and then Friday, Illinois at Indiana and so this is kind of a loaded Big Ten week, but again, week one, if there's only one game I could watch, well, it's Notre Dame at Ohio State. Week two 
it's an easy one. Alabama, Texas. This is going to be a big yardstick game for uh, Steve Sarkeesian and the Longhorns. It's year two under Steve Sarkeesian. Forget winning. Texas, I, I don't think they're going to win that game. What I want to see is has Sarkeesian made enough improvements to basically compete and have a good showing against the Crimson Tide. I understand the wind chill that day in Austin is going to be about 150 million. It's going to be hot. So we'll see whether Texas melts uh, in more ways than one. They did name Quinn Ewers last year's darling of the NIL as their starting quarterback. That'll, that's another reason. That's, there's only one game I could watch. That would be it week two. Flip to week three. Miami visits Texas A&M. Well, why is this significant? These are very two controversial recruiting programs in this new NIL era. Well, let's see how it translates to the field in Collins Station. By the way, Mario Cristobal, he makes his debut as the Hurricanes head coach, and then we get to see a lot of that Jimbo Fisher freshman class that we've talked about on that NIL Amplify program on this show many, many times. $30 million worth. That is going to be fun to watch. Now, uh, if you... I break in my own rule, but Penn State is also at Auburn for a, kind of a wink and the nod play of the game of the week because, unfortunately, we're even into week three, there's only eight Power 5 versus Power 5 non-conference games. I hope that changes in the future. Flip to week four. Now, this is if you're an ACC fan. Clemson visits Wake Forest. Is this finally the year that the Wake Forest Demon Deacons can get over the hump against Clemson or compete with them? Clemson's won 13 straight in that series, and... You know, typically most of them are more by more than two touchdowns. Wake simply hasn't been up to the challenge. Wake's had a fabulous growth under Dave Clawson. My buddy Larry Sorensen does play-by-play and color for Wake Forest, and they're loaded. They had the unfortunate situation with Sam Hartman, their quarterback, so he will not be – I doubt he'll be playing that day. All right, now, now it gets real for me. Week 5, Michigan visits Iowa. If you look at Michigan's first five games, pathetic, or first four games, pathetic. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to name the schools. You can go ahead and look it up. Come on, get yourself a schedule, would you? But and, and this will not only be Michigan's first game against a, a legit opponent and a Big Ten opponent, but it'll be their first game outside any, their little nice Ann Arbor bubble. And it's going to provide somewhat of a yardstick for how each program has changed since Michigan, you know, uh, poleaxed them in the Big Ten championship game uh, last December. Interestingly enough, Michigan has lost four straight in Iowa City, dating all the way back to 2005, and that includes back in 2016, the upset that put the you know seeds of doubt into the Harbaugh era. Remember, they were 9-0. and Michigan was 9-0 and that year, and they traveled to Iowa, and Kirk Ferentz's team was only 5-4 and at the time. Michigan led late into the fourth quarter, and Iowa stole it. It's difficult to play at Kinnick. I, Michigan's going to have a good offense this year, and Iowa's offense will not be great. But if they can force turnovers and play defense, again, it's been a death trap for Michigan to travel to Kinnick Stadium in Iowa, and it's going to be Michigan's only first test, and it's going to be, uh, you know, a conference game. All right. The one we've been talking about since Moby Dick wore cargo uh, since uh, since Moses wore cargo shorts. I almost mixed my metaphors there. Texas A&M at Alabama. This is rivalry week, and, and, and now we're, you know, it's not November yet, you know, when they get into the real rivalry week, but this is legit, okay? You know the tete-a-tete that Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher had at the press conference. This serves to be, I believe, the new big rivalry, uh, you know, in, in in the SEC. Of course, you've got Auburn, Alabama, et cetera. I get all that, right? But the truth of the matter is 
uh, Crimson Tide will be looking to avenge their own, you know, their loss last year, and, and they get they get them at home. So uh, there are a couple other games, by the way. BYU plays Notre Dame here in Las Vegas that week, and then you got the Red River rivalry, uh, Oklahoma versus Texas and Dallas. But I, again, if I can only watch one game, come on, man. You know I'm watching Texas A&M at Georgia. That's week six, week seven. Not the same kind of juice, but USC at Utah. This will be a tough road trip for uh, Lincoln Riley and, and his, you know, the other USC road games. They, they, you know, they, only, they only go to Stanford, Oregon State, Arizona, and they actually go to new Big Ten edition UCLA. But USC at Utah week seven will be a really good test for both schools as USC is or check that Utah's favored to win the Big Ten. Week eight, Cincinnati at SMU. So this will be the Bearcats, uh, you know, their their win streak in the AAC could be up to 18 when this game rolls around, but it's also a big opportunity for SMU and their first year coach. They've got a really talented quarterback. I love the name; makes my all name team Tanner Mordecai against uh, a Cincinnati defense. Now remember, they're replacing two first round uh, or two early round uh, cornerbacks. So week eight, Cincinnati at SMU. Week nine. Ohio State at Penn State. This is a huge week for the Big Ten East because Michigan State will also be playing at Michigan. But frankly, if I could only watch one of the two, I'd actually watch Ohio State at Penn State because the Buckeyes, they've owned the series over the last decade, winning 9 of 10. But Penn State's last two wins in 2016 basically, basically came on a block field goal return. And then uh, when actually when uh, Luke Fickle was the Ohio State intern. I think, you know, I, I bet you they moved the game tonight. It's a whiteout game at Penn State. That is not automatic. That's not going to be easy. If Ohio State's going to get tripped up, which I'm not predicting they are, that could be a week they would be. Week 9, Ohio State at at uh, at uh, Penn State. Week 10, Clemson visits Notre Dame. I hope when we get to Week 10, the luster's not off this game. Notre Dame's got a tough, fairly tough schedule. You never know how Clemson's going to do. Uh, DJ Ugalele, the, the starting quarterback for Clemson, has not lived up to the hype, but Dabo Sweeney has stuck out for him and said we weren't good around him either. As you look to the rest as you get deep into the season, Kansas State at Baylor uh, week 11, mm, that just shows you the rest of the schedule's not great. Oklahoma State at Oklahoma, Week 12, and then, of course, you get to Week 13. The greatest rivalry in all of college sports, Michigan at Ohio State, because it started out as a land war. Trust me, I'll have a report on that later in the year. I, I gave people the history last year and how this you know, this war started, and it's a war between Michigan and Ohio State. I covered many of those games. They're unreal. Uh, and I would just say this will be the centerpiece of all football that weekend, and these are real. This is where two historic programs collide, and if both teams live up to their billing, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that both teams could be undefeated. Am I predicting that? No, because Michigan's got to go to Iowa. They got Penn State at home, and they got uh, to go, then they go to Ohio State. I think I think Michigan has a loss by the time they get there, but I don't think Ohio State's going to have one. Then of course, Week 14, you got the SEC championship game in Atlanta. And then week 15, let's not poo-poo the Army-Navy game in Philadelphia. The pomp and circumstance. Who doesn't love to watch that game? By then, you're in the Christmas shopping, you know. And here in Las Vegas, we know it's Christmas because you get the fake snow in the windows and the fake Christmas trees up, and we're all happy, and uh, there might be a few cream de mints involved. 
So there, that's sort of my quick cursory look at if you could only watch one game all of these weeks in the next 14 weeks, that would be the game every week. But fortunately, thanks to TV, streaming, and everything, there's all kinds of games you can watch. But these particular games have storylines, coaches, ramifications, playoff ramifications, and then historic sort of rivalries. By the way, there are a couple of trap games that could throw the playoff picture into chaos. Alabama, uh, Alabama does have to visit Mississippi November 12th, and they become, here's the significance to watch. Alabama will be coming off their trip to LSU, and the Rebels, the Mississippi Rebels, will have had an open date the week before. Georgia visits a much-improved Kentucky program November 19th, and Georgia will have played in you know, the world's largest cocktail party. They'll be playing, have played Florida and Jacksonville the week before as well as they will have had Tennessee at home and Mississippi State on the road, a little bit of a gauntlet there. Clemson at Florida State October 15th. The reason I bring up those games, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, those are three trap games, tough games, that could throw their playoff hopes or a monkey wrench into their playoff hopes if they don't win. Games to watch. And, uh, again, this whole situation starts. Alabama is now the seventh time that they've been number one overall, I think, in the last 12 years. But it, it, every time they've opened the year as the preseason number one, I believe only once Bama has finished the year as a preseason number one. So you still got to play the games. You don't know what the future holds. Do know what the future holds for some contest action here in Las Vegas. Coming up, we'll bring you back out to Vegas. Todd Dewey, the uh, sports betting writer of the Las Vegas Review-Journal, will join us. We'll go over all the big contests that you can be a part of. Still plenty of time to join, and we'll give you all the details. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! The great Bernie Fratto, folks. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Mike check. Mike check. Do you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game? What's good? This is national champion and former pro baller Chris Johnson. And let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one-on-one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real. And when I say real, I mean that real. I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. So make your next move your best move. And tap in with me on KJ Live, wherever you get your podcast from. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. L-A-S-I-K LASIK.com Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. 
Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. All right, we're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. At this time, let's welcome in a, a gentleman, a good friend of mine, longtime writer for the Las Vegas Review Journal. He's the sports betting columnist for the Las Vegas Review Journal. You've heard him on the show before. Say hello to Todd Dewey. Todd, how are you, buddy? Doing well, Bernie. Thanks for having me. How you doing? Great. Uh, I know you played today in the Super Contest Golf Tourney at the Las Vegas Country Club, which is always a great weekend here in Las Vegas. It is Super Contest Weekend. So let's start there with this Westgate Super Contest, which, which I have long believed is sort of the most prestigious still. It's the longest running. Talk to the folks about the details of that contest. How are signups going? Is there an overlay? What's the latest on the Super Contest? Yeah, that's the original uh, contest that's been going for a while uh, where uh, they've, they've handed out several million-dollar champions in the contest where it's a $1,000 entry and you pick five picks against the spread uh, each week during the NFL season. And, you know, the, the best record ends up taking home the grand prize. And they also have $1.1 million in guarantees and in-season contests. They have 11 of them this year. Uh, with the 18-week season, there's six three-week contests, three six-week contests, and two nine-week contests, and um, would payouts along the way there. So $1.1 million guaranteed, so they'll need $1,100,000 entries to match that. Uh, I think the, they're well on their way to getting that. Um, they got a couple thousand last year, so they should have no problem uh, making that. But but that's always been the gold standard, the most prestigious NFL handicapping contest in town until Circa came along. Now let's uh, set set the facts straight for the folks. The Super Contest is NFL only. You pick five games each week versus the spread that's published every Wednesday. And I believe the deadline to enter the contest is what September seventh. Uh, I believe uh, they let it go until the Saturday before the first oh, okay. NFL Sunday, so uh, September. But if you play that be, Thursday yeah. game, if you play that original Thursday game, which is two weeks from Thursday, which would be Buffalo and the Rams, then you have to be signed up by then, I believe, right? Yes, yes, that's correct. Yep. All right. Uh, I don't want to make the distinction, so folks know that because all these contests differ in in in, in simple ways. Uh, mm-hmm. That the uh, that the super contest is an NFL contest. Okay, continue on. Talk about the circa contest. There's more than one. Yeah, circa has uh, six million dollars. They have a record twelve million dollars in guarantees for their contest. It's six million dollars for the circa sports million. Their fourth year doing it, and uh, that's that's the same format as the super contest where you pick. NFL only, and you pick five games against the spread each week. And then they have uh, the $6 million. And that's a million dollars to the winner, and they have quarterly prizes as well. And, uh, you know, top 50, I believe, get paid in that one. And then you have a $6 million, the Survivor Contest, where you can only pick one NFL team per – one NFL team – for the whole season, you can only use each team once. And um, you pick one team just to win the game straight up each week. And um, if you lose, you're out. And it's 
it's a 20-week contest, the 18-week regular season, and Circa also designates Thanksgiving and Christmas week as its own separate weeks. So, yeah, there's 20 weeks that it could go. Last year, they had five people that went 20-0 and 0 and split $7 million in prizes. But the thing with that, um, you know, they need to get $6,000 entries in each contest to meet the guarantees. Last year, they fell short of that. Uh, and so the Circa had to pay $1.92 million overlay, which is the amount the sports book has to pay to match the guaranteed prize money if they don't get enough entries. And so they had to pay almost $2 million to cover that last year. And uh, as we speak right now, Bernie, they have 3,700 total signups. Uh, so they're well short again, uh, $8.3 million overlay. If you get three weeks to go, but it oh, uh, looks like it's going to be a seven figure overlay again. So that's attractive to the contestants. Talking with Todd Dewey, sports betting columnist for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Talk about the William Hill contest and what that entails. I believe they had an overlay last year as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so if you just want to bet on a, or just do a college football contest, William Hill has a college pick em contest. You pick eight games each week for 10 weeks. And last year, they, uh, it, it's also $1,000 to enter. And last year, they had a million-dollar guarantee but they uh, fell. They couldn't get a thousand entries to needed to reach that. So they ended up uh, having to pony up five hundred forty-eight thousand to match the guarantee. This year they have a five hundred thousand dollar guarantee. But as of last week, they uh, still had less than a hundred entries. So they could be looking at another six-figure overlay in that contest. Wow! And then finally, last but not least, the Tony Miller. Tony was on our show a few weeks back. The Golden Nugget Contest, one of my favorites because I believe it it, in, it entails both college and NFL selections, seven selections per week. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct, uh, Bernie. They have uh, That's also a $1,000 entry. It's called the Ultimate Football Challenge, the Golden Nugget. And, yeah, that's a mix of uh, college and NFL. You pick make seven picks each week during the 18-week NFL season. And uh, so you could do however you want to mix those up, college or pro. Todd, you mentioned something, wrapping it up here, uh, that's very important because the Super Contest, uh, our guy Jay Cornegay over at the Westgate, has really evolved over the last few years. It used to be, if you want it, you're top of the mountain, and they, they paid down a few spots, and that was it. But now there have been a lot of changes. There's now quarterly payouts, and the payout pool is much deeper. Could you lay that out for the folks? Yeah, well, they just want to make it that if you get off to a rough start, you know, you, you still have a shot to win some money with the with all the different in-season contests. If you just get hot for a three-week stretch or a six-week stretch, you can still come away with, uh, you know, up to six figures uh, still, even if you don't do well in the season-long contest. And um just gives people a lot of action along the way. Super Contest also has a couple other ones, $5,000 winner-take-all Super Contest Gold, and then they have one they call Reboot. We put 500 bucks uh, entry for the second half of the season only. They have an NFL Season Wins Challenge as well for $200. We picked the over-under of all 32 teams. So there's all kinds of uh, contests going on in town. Todd, great stuff as always. Let's check in with you as we get into the season and we'll gauge progress on these contests and see how many entrants they had and if there are, in fact, uh, those overlays that remain like they did last year. Thanks so much, Todd. 
Thanks a lot for having me, Bernie. You got it. It's Todd Dewey, sports betting columnist of the Las Vegas Review Journal. Coming up, I want to delve into the NFL preseason. Big difference between week one and week two. A, a, a certain NFL prop bet that really has got my attention and the attention of a lot of professional uh, betters. That much, much more. But first, let's go to the man. Do not call him Nick Little Deuce Coop because his name is Nick Cope. It's pronounced Nick Cope. We've got Nick Cope with the latest. Thanks, Bernie. Yeah, it's an easy one to stumble upon. That's uh, a weird uh, Western Europe thing in, in Dutch. Two O's make an O. So it is Cope. Appreciate that. And what we got going on tonight, Leon Edwards was knocked out, or excuse me, Leon Edwards knocked out UFC welterweight champ Kamaru Usman at UFC 278 in Salt Lake City. Head kick late in the fifth round, knocked out Usman, who had won 15 fights in a row. Earlier in the day, UFC President Dana White said he had facilitated a deal for Tom Brady to play for the Las Vegas Raiders when Brady was a free agent in 2020. However, White said then Raiders head coach John Gruden nixed the deal. In baseball, a couple of the late games that just wrapped up a few hours ago, Dodgers shut out the Marlins 7-0. Los Angeles pitcher Dustin May made his return from Tommy John surgery. Struck out nine in five scoreless innings in his first big league start since May 2021. Padres defeated the Nationals 2-1. Juan Soto and Josh Bell each hit solo home runs against their former team. And in NFL news, Titans beat the Buccaneers 13-3. But Tampa Bay had maybe the biggest loss with starting left guard Aaron Stinney being carted off with a left knee injury. Bucks coach Todd Bowles says the team is awaiting more tests. And Panthers coach Matt Rule said Matt Corral is likely out for the season after he sustained a significant ligament tear in his left foot. Corral was competing to be the third-string quarterback behind Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. Bernie, back to you. Hey, Nick, real quickly, how long have you been broadcasting UCLA baseball? This past spring was my first full year. I've done some spot starts over the years. I've been doing various sports at UCLA for the last six, but finally got to do a full season of baseball this past spring. So is it possible you're aware enough of UCLA baseball history to know the name Tim Leary, who went on to about a seven, eight-year career with the New York Mets? You know that name. I do not know that name. I have... Good Not pitching. gone back deep into the UCLA baseball history yet. I've got kind of the last 10 years or so was able to get up to speed. But, um, yeah, I'll, I'll continue to uh, to dig back in deep. I'm going to look up Leary right now. Yeah, look him up. Uh, I faced him and grounded out back to the mound. Good night, folks. Thanks. All right, thanks so much, Nick. <laughs> True story. Thank you, Bernie. True story. All right, uh, the NFL preseason, we, we talk about it a lot leading up to it, and we certainly uh, reference it a lot and joke around with Arnie, and he calls it the free. He's not wrong. There, there are a lot of angles to bet the preseason, and if you just paid attention week one, and, uh, you know, this year uh, of the games in, in week one, the over, it was, it was 14 and three to the over. And last year it was 15-2 and two to the under. So what changed? Well, turns out that one point of emphasis this year for referees was having to do with illegal contact. And the referees are really focusing on that. The, you know, the defensive back after five yards cannot grab and clutch and make contact with the receivers, and it's going to be enforced. A total of 16 penalties were called week one. Juxtapose that to give it some perspective with the fact that only 36 illegal contact penalties were called the entire NFL regular season that leads to more scoring that leads to moving the chains and free first downs so the average total week one 
the average game total was 33.8. Well, I said there would be a market adjustment. that was on last Sunday night with Arnie and Aaron, who was in for Chris Plank. And yes, they adjusted the total this week. The average total so far is 41.5. So far this week two, eight and two. The unders are eight and two this week. A big bounce back, right? So uh, the long and the short of it is these are things you continue to watch. You know, Andy Reid, he plays his starters the first quarter. Kansas City covers the first half again, just like they did last week. It's all about information. So, you know, you, you watch it. And, and, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot on the show, and people who know me know I don't, I'm not really a prop player. I don't particularly care for props. You've got to find your, your own space in this business. I know a guy here in town that bets only Mac college football and does really well, makes a lot of money because he knows that conference and knows the tendencies and knows the players and knows all that stuff. So you don't need to be a jack of all trades. A lot of people do well at betting props. Fez does well at betting props. I, I stay away from him. And I came across this stat in my research uh, before the show tonight. Last year, there were a total of 266 individual player props that were posted on the board here in Las Vegas. If you blindly bet the under on those props, you cashed at 67%. And I talked about this with Jason McIntyre on his podcast, which was posted Friday. Uh, he's a he's a real student of the game and a prop player. I said, if you're going to play props, play the under. For me, they're needle in a haystack bets. They're shooting BBs at the moon. It's just not my jam. Why do they go under? Well, first of all, they're always the, the number itself is always shaded to the over because the public and folks like to bet overs. The other part, of course, are injuries. All it takes is one injury to kibosh your season. If you're knocked out for the year, it's just it's just simply bad luck. Um, and or, or if you're knocked out for three or four games, that could screw it up right then and there. So between injuries and the fact the numbers are shaded over, 266 player props, and uh, if you blindly bet the under last year, you cashed at 67%, and if you cash at 67%, you can make all the money you want to make. Having said that, there's one NFL prop bet that's really caught my eye this year, and I probably, well, I haven't fired on it, but I want to share it with, with everybody else because one of the props that's a fun one, and Jason brought up a great point in the podcast Friday, he doesn't particularly care to let, play too many props because you're tying up your money five months, which is true, but in this particular team prop, and I'm going to get to it in a second here. You're you you may not be tying up your money for that long, and it has to do with placing a proposition bet on who will be the last remaining undefeated team in the National Football League in 2022. Now, remember, when you place bets that uh, on teams that you believe will remain undefeated the longest, the last standing undefeated team. Keep in mind, the Arizona Cardinals were the final undefeated team last season, and the Steelers were the final undefeated team in 2020. They went 11-0. I believe the Cardinals were 7-0. Interestingly enough, neither team could win a single playoff game. So early season success doesn't necessarily correlate to postseason success. They're not inextricably linked. But when it comes to the market this year, the board looks a little bit different for overall expectations. This is not a survivor pool per se, because that's in the entire year. you got to pick one team every week pick a different team on this prop you land your money on a team that you believe will be the last one standing and will be the last one will, will, will extend the latest into the season without having a loss here's the team that's caught our eye 
the Los Angeles Chargers at 7-1. Now, you can get the Rams at 8-1. The Rams might lose week one against Buffalo. And look, we all know Super Bowl teams that come back the following year, and they have a very tough schedule. There's a reason teams don't repeat. We don't need to be really good on that road. By the way, the Bills are also 8-1. One One of them has to go down week one, right? Of course, I guess unless the game ends in a tie, then they both advance. You've also got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 8-1. But look, and, and people can pick on Tom Brady all they want, all right? I think he's going to be back and everything's going to be fine. You've also got the Packers at 9-1. to That's something to keep an eye on. And the 49ers, 11-1, to I promise you they will not get any of my money. And we'll talk about that maybe more next week. But here's why the Chargers are so intriguing, okay? Look at the Chargers' first two games. You might say, wow, they got the Raiders week one. That's not going to be easy. And then the Chargers have to visit Kansas City uh, five days later on Thursday night football. So the Chargers have two games in the first five days, home against the Raiders, which will not be a picnic. It'll be a war. You saw how they ended the season here last year with the Raiders advancing to the playoffs. Five days later, you go to Kansas City, and I believe Kansas City will be good. Will they miss Tyreek Hill? Sure. Will it be the be-all, end-all? No. I still think Kansas City probably wins that division. So you say to yourself, well, why have the Chargers caught your eye? It's not about the first two weeks. There will be plenty of teams, right, who start out 2-0. So it's not about that. But if the Chargers start out 2-0, you look at week 3-9 through nine and you say to yourself, whoa, they could, the Chargers could end up 9-0. Week 3, let's say the Chargers beat the Raiders and then they go to Kansas City and win, which they are fully capable of doing. Week 3, they're home against Jacksonville, the Chargers, and they're a 10-point favorite. Week 4, they visit the Houston Texans, where they're an 8-point favorite. Then, week 5, they'll stay on the road. The Chargers will visit Cleveland, where the Chargers are also an 8-point road favorite there. The Chargers come home to face Denver, where they're a field goal favorite. Then the Chargers, week seven, face Seattle, where they're a nine-point favorite. Then they have a bye week eight. Then they visit Atlanta, week nine, where they're a touchdown favorite. Could the Chargers start 9-0? Well, if they start 2-0, that's what makes that bet to me so much more intriguing. By the way, here's another, if you want to have a little fun with another prop bet, there's a money line prop. The Chargers are plus 270 to begin the season at 2-0, which means you put up $100, you win 270 So if they survive that two-game gauntlet in five days, I think there's a very good chance they jump to 5-0. and you got Jacksonville, Houston, and Cleveland, and then the money line odds start to project upward. I'm not going to bore you with a bunch of numbers here. But if you're so inclined and you like these needle-in-a-haystack bets, this is one – that makes sense. And by the way, I want to get something off my chest about Tom Brady because what you hear when people, there's this palpable sense of glee every time something bad happens to Tom Brady or Bill Belichick because people are so resentful of their success. That's just how it happens in this society. People root for other people to fail. They've had it with Brady. Not me. I like Brady. By the way, he turned 45 August 3rd. And in doing so, you might want to know this to all you ages out there. You can go kick rocks, pond sand, take a hike. You're clueless. Brady's 45 now. Yeah, he turned 45 August 3rd. He joins what I consider to be a very exclusive club of athletes who not only played at age 45, 
but excelled at age 45, assuming he doesn't decline too much this year. Oh, remember, he only finished second in the MVP voting last year. So I think Brady will be fine once they get rolling. Remember when they started out, I think four and four, two years ago, everybody said they needed to get a divorce from Bruce Arians. Well, they ended up doing that, but not after winning a Super Bowl. Remember Nolan Ryan? Well, back in 1992 at age 45, Ryan became the Major League Baseball all-time leader in strikeouts and no-hitters. He had a no-hitter at age 45. Seven. He had seven no-hitters. And his ERA remained under four. Played till he was 45. Gordy Howe in 1974 at age 46. He'd already been a six-time MVP in the NHL, but he put together a 100-point season in the WHA and was named MVP. By the way, uh, six years later, I saw Gordie Howe play his last game at age 50, 50 or 52 at the Forum in Los Angeles. Someday I'll tell that story in the funny interview with Stu Nahan. Gordie got checked over the boards and landed on his head, and Stu says, Gordie, why don't you wear a helmet? Stu says, look, I'd always, I'd rather wear a cup than a helmet because you can always have someone else do the thinking for you. Remember, Jack Nicholas won the last of his 18 majors at 46. Martina Navratilova won tournaments in Wimbledon at age 46. So hats off to Tom Brady. Coming up, college football around the corner. Which teams, by the way, fared the best against the spread the last three seasons and fared the worst against the spread the last three seasons. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted. So don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. All right, back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast crew back in Los Angeles, Chris Perfett, our technical producer. Uh, Tad Vistek joins us tonight, as well as Nick Cope making his debut here on Straight Out of Vegas. The gentlemen will all be with me till 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. We're just getting started. We've got a ton of stuff to get to. By the way, I mentioned Tim Leary, UCLA, former UCLA pitcher. He had about a 13-year career in the major leagues. UCLA has been putting people in the major leagues forever, certainly the last 50 years during the draft since 1965, and long before that, including perhaps their most notable alum, guy by the name of Jackie Robinson. UCLA's field was named Sawtell Field before it was changed to Jackie Robinson Stadium in 1981. But 
You may have seen Garrett Cole tonight punch a wall. Yeah, Garrett Cole matriculated at UCLA. Yeah, giant shortstop Brandon Crawford, who won three World Series. Uh, obviously, you may remember uh, Eric Carroll's uh, Dodger star. He played. Uh, Eric Burns, the manager of the Savannah Bananas, uh, who had a good you know, 10, 12-year career uh, in, the, in the major leagues. Uh, so UCLA, a, a very, very prestigious uh, program uh, going back many, 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 many decades. All right. One of the things you look toward as you handicap, uh, if past is prologue, certain teams have a way of covering year in, year out better than others. And there are so many lines to put up with 131 Division One teams, the book can't get them all right. Air, Air Force is slated to have a very good year this year. And in the last three years, if you blindly bet Air Force, they're 20-12 and 12 against the spread, 63%. But you know the number one team, believe it or not, the Oregon State Beavers. 68% you'd be cashing if you blindly bet the Oregon State Beavers uh, the last three seasons. Other schools in the top 10, Navy, you know, the, the, the service schools always do well. Navy checks in at about 65%. Our favorite state on the show, of course, the great state of Minnesota, Minnesota Nice, the land of 10,000 lakes, the Gophers under P.J. Fleck, very well against the spread the last three years, 2011-2 for a sparkling 65%. And, of course, you already know Cincinnati kicks butt and takes name every week. Notre Dame's done well. They're both 63 64%. All right, who's bringing up the rear? Sorry, folks. Sorry, Lobos fans. New Mexico. If you bet New Mexico blindly the last three years, you lost about 74% of the time. They're 8-22-1 against the spread. Stanford, great academic school, not so much against the spread the last three years, only 9-19, 32%. And, of course, Arnie Spanier, probably not too happy with this. Here's Arizona. Arr! Wildcats, only 10-19 and 19 against the spread. You'd cash 34% of the time. And then the usual suspects like Massachusetts, UL Monroe, Kansas, and Akron. Sorry. But if you back those teams at all in the last three years, you might be pushing a shopping cart in Vegas right now, and people know what that means to the folks who live here. That's going to do it for Straight Out of Vegas, but you're going to keep it locked right here because coming up, three more hours of fun. I'm Bernie Fratto. Keep it here. This is Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Keep it locked. Do not, do not, I repeat, do not touch that dial. You heard the man. It's time for Fox Sports Sunday. We've got a lot on the dock tonight, so let's get busy. On that note, please put your seat backs forward. Your trade table's upright. We are ready for takeoff. My name is Bernie Fratto. I'm coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern, along with my veteran crew, Chris Perfett, Tad Vistek, and Nick Cope on the updates as they will man the ship from our Los Angeles compound turning all the dials, keeping us glued together. Tonight, as usual, we are packed. Uh, we've got the new Big Ten media rights details to share with you, including not only what just took place, but where we go from here. And I don't mean home, dinner, and maybe a show. I mean, they're not done. And uh, there's an interesting sort of a jockeying for position between the Big Ten and the SEC. I will explain. Plus, we'll have some additional college football updates, maybe some, even some Heisman Trophy odds. Uh, is Tiger Woods a hypocrite? I think so. I'm going to explain later in the show. 
with a couple of live updates and Tigers meeting this week. And, you know, uh, it's just it's just an opinion, but I, I always bring my opinions with receipts, so, so, so bear with me. Uh, is Rodrigo about to become a household name? That plus what kind of brand new fool are you? What my name in Christopher Fett's world of soccer and rousing final hour. So we have a jam-packed show. We're going to stuff eight hours into three, and we you will stay along with us for the ride. But we begin with this first. See, when it comes to projecting NFL win totals, you know how it goes. If you're a host on a sports talk radio show on the radio, it's the law. You have to do it. So tonight we will continue we, we started out alphabetically and got 10 teams last week. I think we're going to wrap the whole thing up tonight. I even had a tweeter ask about my thoughts on the Minnesota Twins, and, and I'll get to that. I think it was Patrick. So tonight we'll continue to delve into the NFL team's project. Will they or not, they or they not, will they go over their win totals and why? Again, that is clunky English. Last time I ran a tongue from that place. We start with the Green Bay Packers. Now, their win total is 11.5. That's a big win total. I'm conflicted because I know they can get to 11. The question is, will they get to 12? You see, they ran into some salary cap issues last year, and that led to them trading away all pro Devontae Adams. Now, that's a fairly huge loss for the offense. It's probably not likely that Sammy Watkins and their second-round rookie pick Christian Watson can replace that production, but you throw in Romeo Dubs, and as long as you got Aaron Rodgers, the theory, see, is that some people believe that the Packers are a bit due for some regression because they went 5-2 and two in one-score games, and they played more like a 10-win team last year when you consider their point differential for the entire year was only plus 79. So uh, Green Bay also last year, for whatever reason, their expected win total was, I think, 9, and they ended up at 12. So the win over expected total last year, second highest in the league, people have a tendency to think that, you know, teams regress just because, you know, you regress to the mean, you progress to the mean, what goes up must come down, you get the whole drill. I, I, I'm not involved in this play, but it will not surprise me if Green Bay wins 12 games this year. Aaron Rodgers is 56-21 and 21 lifetime against the NFC North. In games without Devontae Adams, he was 7-0 and through 19 touchdown passes against one interception. Green Bay will have an excellent defense, and they drafted well. So I've got them winning 11 to win that 12th game. Uh, David Bakhtiari is uncertain for week one, so mm, and Minnesota might have something for him. I, I would just say this. Green Bay is an 11-win team. I don't know they're a 12-win team. You do what you think is right. That 11.5 total is a lot. All right, the Houston Texas. Now, for what it's worth, and Davis Mills has started to turn some heads. He's only the eighth quarterback drafted in the third round or later since 2000 to make 10-plus starts as a rookie. Now, that's saying something because we've talked about this in the past whereby look how many first-round players don't ever do well in the NFL. And Davis Mills basically played well enough that the Texans – are going to be basically, this is going to be sort of an audition year. It's not out of the realm of possibility that Davis Mills is your quarterback of the future for the Houston Texans. This is an audition year for him. Now, as is the case sometimes in the NFL, a quarterback that does well his first year might take a step back. And, uh, he, you know, he didn't throw a lot of interceptions last year, but that could change. They got him on film now. And I, I would say that, 
you know, if you really want to get granular, uh, Football Outsiders keeps track of these things on tipped and dropped interceptions that, that should have been thrown or caught, and that better estimates it. And and, and they're, they're basically implying that even though Davis Mills only had a 2.6% interception rate last season, should have been closer to over 4%. Now, the Texans actually have a win total of 4.5. Uh, seems about right. I don't know how you make it any higher than that, and you can't make it any lower than that. And here's the kicker. If Davis Mills struggles... Uh, Texas will fall. The Texans will f- come apart like a cheap chair. They just simply will. They do not have a top five roster in the NFL. They have a bottom five roster, and they're probably going to be positioning themselves to draft very high next year. And if Davis Mills doesn't do well, well, good luck. Or the good news is that there's supposedly a loaded quarterback class in 2023. So if you're asking me, would I play the over four and a half or under four and a half? I pass. I don't mean to equivocate like I did on Green Bay and now, but you don't have to you don't have to bet every game. The book puts up lines on every game and every team pretty much, but you don't have to. Be discretionary. All right, let's talk about the Colts. The Colts win total is ten, and I absolutely believe they're going over that win total. Remember, they managed to go nine and eight last season, despite having, I think, as bad a luck of any team in the NFL when you look at the metrics. One of the things that's most striking was that the Colts led the league in time of possession with the lead. And based how often they either led or tied or trailed games, really, if you look at the theorem, the Colts were a 12-5 and team last year disguised as a 9-8 and team. Partly because the Colts were 2-5 and in one-score games. That has a tendency to turn around. Now there's no more Carson Wentz. And I think that's, sorry, but that's addition by subtraction. You bring in Matt Ryan, who's probably going to get Hall of Fame votes. He's thrown for more you know, yards than your favorite quarterback, Matt Stafford. He toiled a lot of years in Atlanta. He staked the team to a 28-3 lead against New England. You saw what happened. Matt Ryan doesn't make the bad decisions late in games that cost the Colts games last year. With all due respect, that happened with Carson Wentz. By the way, I love Frank Reich. The Colts have a very balanced roster, and I this is something not to poo-poo. The Colts have the sixth easiest schedule in 2022. So if you shop around here in Las Vegas, there were there were spots where you could find the total at 9.5. I think those are gone. Some books are 10.5. But if you want the best value, you can get the Colts over 10 at win bet, minus 105. I think the Colts get to 11 wins. I really believe that. All right, let's talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars and, of course, their, their new coach. Uh, Doug Peterson, who's a very good coach. Uh, I am a Trevor Lawrence fan. There's no way I'm blaming anything on Trevor Lawrence for his not-so-good rookie season. And he led the league in 17 interceptions, tied with Matt Stafford. I have no doubt that you bring Doug Peterson into the mix, and certainly in terms of the quarterback position and maybe the whole building, Doug Peterson is expected to be a pretty substantial upgrade over Urban Urban Meyer in this situation. But here's a problem. It's always here's the big butt peewee. It's how you can't get too excited when Trevor Lawrence is throwing to guys like Christian Kirk, who I thought had a chance to make a real name for himself in the playoff game against the Rams with Arizona and had a couple drops early. He didn't thrill me. Marvin Jones, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram. All right, it's not exactly murderers row. Prove me wrong. Go out and catch some balls. Make some plays. Yards after catch. The problem is 
and again, the books are so good at this. They put the Jags total at six and a half. Can you really say they're going to win seven games, go seven and ten? Mm-hmm. But actually, I have a lot of faith in Trevor Lawrence. Don't really want to bet against him. However, if you put a gun to my head, I'm going to lean under six and a half, but I don't know that I'd play it. Again, probably another pass. So these first four, the one I like the most, Indianapolis going over 10 wins. Let's come to the Kansas City Chiefs. Their win total, 10 and a half. Now, everybody keeps telling us their offense is going to take a big dip, big step back after trading away a player like Tyreek Hill. Fair. But how does that quantify itself? How does that manifest itself as a practical matter in terms of wins and losses? Because I thought I thought the Chiefs did an excellent job of adding a few new wide receivers. In Juju Smith-Schuster, they get Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and they get a stud second-round rookie out of Western Michigan who, what, he catch 100 balls last year. He can get it and go. He's got that stop and start, make you miss. Remember, you watch Sky Moore after a couple of games, you're going to say, ooh, I'll tell you what, they may not have Tyreek Hill, but by committee, and remember, Patrick Mahomes is a, is a unicorn. He's only 26 years old. He's really starting just barely to enter his prime, and he's already been to two Super Bowls. He's arguably, you, you can make the case he's the best quarterback in the NFL. I, I don't get in those arguments. It's like pe- picking your favorite noodle in a plate of spaghetti. But as long as you got Mahomes and you got Andy Reid and you got that offense, the Chiefs offense, it's going to be one of the best in the league. And I think the Chiefs, to be fair, they did benefit from the best injury luck in 2021. And they, there, there are some folks, based on power ratings, who believe the Chiefs have the toughest schedule in the entire NFL this year. But I still think the Chiefs can get to 11 wins and go over that 10.5. For them not to do that, the Chiefs would have to lose, would have to lose seven games. Can you really picture the Chiefs losing seven games? Um uh, I can't. So I like the Chiefs to get to 11 wins. And uh, again, it's fashionable. Uh, you know, you've got that division with San, with I almost said San Diego, the Chargers and the Raiders and Denver. It's going to get a little bloody. But one of the things the Chiefs do well is they win their non-divisional games at home and they win their non-divisional games on the road quite well. They're pretty pretty damn good. Which brings us to another team in that division, the Las Vegas Raiders, who are now three and zero in the preseason. They go down to Miami tonight and win. And Derek Carr says, no one ever talks about us. All people are doing is talking about the Raiders. And I would be, I'm, I'm a little leery. I'm a little leery. Now, their win total is only eight and a half. But I know people that are betting the under. And, and I know why. Because the Raiders benefited the most last season from a lot of luck and some very key metrics. And they ended up, the Raiders ended up 10 and 7 under Ritz Passaccia. They had the fourth best injury luck. And the Raiders went, Four and one in one score games. Now the most mind blowing stat was that the Raiders managed to go ten and seven despite having a minus sixty five point point differential. Typically, by the Pythagorean theorem, if you have a minus sixty five point differential, you're probably going to finish closer to seven and ten. And remember, the Raiders were six and seven and won four greedy games down the stretch. Top credit. Now I think the Raiders' offense will get a significant boost. From Devontae Adams, I think the Raiders are a team that sharp people I know and trust are, are, you know, I know people want to hear this. I'm going to go to hell on a scholarship for saying this here in Vegas. Raiders are a team that I have observed a lot of professional betters that are going to be fading. The Raiders have the second toughest schedule in the league, and you 
likely going to see regression in terms of the one-score game luck in, in 2022. But will they go under 8.5 wins? I think the Raiders could land on 9 wins. That would put them at 9-8. and eight. That would, I believe they would put them on the outside looking in when the playoffs roll around. Do I think that can happen? Raiders' offensive line ranks 25th. Their defensive line ranks 22nd. Major issues in the secondary. And people could put, you know, powdered powder, powder up and put a gloss on it all they want. But these are facts. So, frankly, I think the Raiders can get to nine wins, but I don't think they get to the playoffs. Which brings us to another key team in that division. The Los Angeles Chargers. Their total is nine and a half. I'm resoundingly going over. The Chargers offense ranked fourth in DVOA last season. Now, the problem last year was he had a 26th-ranked defense, and that absolutely prevented them from making the playoffs. However, could that defense be improved? Well, you tell me. They signed Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson. If Derwin James can just stay healthy, this is a team that has a chance to not only improve that defense, they got a chance to be a top-10 defense. And if they're a top-10 defense, the Chargers, coupled with that offense then they're a legit Super Bowl contender. So I like the Chargers to go over 9.5 wins. It's already shaded to the over minus 145. And if you consider that we've probably got the Raiders maybe at 9 wins, I'm not sure. I think the Broncos maybe top out there as well. The correlation of backing the Chargers in the divisional games at 10 wins actually makes a lot of sense. Coming up, we'll get to the Rams. We'll get to the Dolphins. Uh, I think Patrick asked about the Minnesota Vikings. I'll get to them. I'll get to the Patriots. We continue with handicapping and pronosticating NFL win totals for 2022. That's what you do. If you host a show on Sports Talk Radio, it's the law, and we certainly don't want to break the law. I'm Bernie Fratter. We're coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. All right, back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Yes, we will take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. Continuing on with our synopsis of win totals for the remainder of the National Football League teams. Probably won't get to all of them tonight. We'll wrap it up next week. But I uh, mentioned that the next team on deck would be the Los Angeles Rams. 
and tip of the cap to the Los Angeles Rams. They're, uh, you know, kudos to the roster uh, that, uh, you know, Sna- Norm Sneed put together. Uh, look, uh, Matthew Stafford, he comes over from Detroit. He leads the Rams to their first Super Bowl win of the Sean McVay era. And uh, I, I know uh, that if Joukowsky Tart doesn't drop the arm putt, that doesn't happen. But he did, and the, and the Rams took advantage of it. You know, there's an old saying in life, uh, you'd be at the right place at the right time, but that's a comma. The rest of the sentence is, and do something about it. Well, the Rams did, and so you got to have to give them top credit. They have many of the same pieces returning this year, and the question everybody's asking is, will they become, will the Rams become the first team to win back-to-back Super Bowls since the 0-4 Patriots quarterback by, yes, Tom Brady? Now, one of the reasons why, and I buried the lead, the Rams' win total is 10.5, which means, you know, you've got to get to 11 and go 11 and 6, you cash. Um, the Rams are kind of a top-heavy team, which means that they don't have a hell of a lot of depth. So, God forbid something happened to a Matt Stafford or a Cooper Cup or an Aaron Donald or a Jalen Ramsey, they miss significant time. It's going to matter. Believe it or not, of those four players last year, the Rams were very fortunate. Of those four players, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, or Jalen Ramsey, the four of them combined to miss a grand total of one game last season. It was week 14, Jalen Ramsey. The question is, the National Football League, which stands for not for long, you know, can you really bank on the Rams to have that kind of luck again this season? So I think there is some value on the under at 10.5. That doesn't mean the Rams flop. doesn't mean they don't make the playoffs. It means I think there's a possibility, if not a probability, that they end up at 10-7 and seven versus 11-6. and six. And they get you know no rest for the wicked. Two weeks from Thursday, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills and Sean McDermott invade town, and they look like a real bear. I mean, uh, not a Chicago bear. Trust me on that one. I believe Buffalo's laying two and a half points on the road Thursday night, and that's going to be a great game. I can't wait to see that game. So I think the Rams are going 10 and 7. I lean under, lean under 10 and a half. Miami Dolphins. Uh, I wish people would stop picking on Tua. I like him a lot as a human being, as a leader. He's got a rocky start to the NFL. People say he can't throw deep. I don't believe it. He certainly threw deep very well at Alabama. And you say, well, he had great receivers. Yeah, he did. So what? Uh, now he's, he didn't have him in Miami, and they didn't let him throw deep. But what if they do? They have to turn this kid loose. Uh, and we'll see if the combination of him and Tyreek Hill can can you know bring dividends. I, I believe it will. I, I, I think the, I think the, the Dolphins' offense, it's not just Tyreek Hill. The, the offense is getting a complete makeover because their new head coach, Mike McDaniel, is coming over from the 49ers. And it's believed he will implement a Kyle Shanahan kind of Kyle Shanahan-esque offense. And what that is, it, it's a scheme that really takes a lot of pressure off of the offensive line, which was the Dolphins' biggest problem last year. The offensive line was the, was the Dolphins' Achilles heel last season. So what does Miami do? They signed two quality offensive linemen in Teron Armstead and Connor Williams, and that's going to pay dividends. That's going to help immediately, right away. What do those changes do? They allow Tua Tagovailoa more time to throw the ball downfield at a higher rate, 
despite averaging only seven yards per attended attempt last year, which is the third lowest. Again, they don't let him. If they let him, he's going to make some deep throws this year, and you're going to, wow, look at that. Have you forgotten all the deep throws he made at Alabama? So he can do it. They have to let him do it. They have to have the scheme to do it, which brings us to the Tyreek Hill edition. I think Tyreek Hill, from, from the highlight reel standpoint, is the most dynamic player in the league, and he's going to make an immediate impact. And I think there's a lot to like about this Dolphins team, and their win total is 8.5. If the Dolphins can't get to nine wins this year, I don't know when, when they're going to do it. Uh, it, it's entirely possible New England could be down. We know the Jets, that's the other part of their division. Teams have a way in September of heading into Miami and, and wilting in the heat. So can I think Miami can get to nine wins? Uh, yes, I do, barring injury. All right, the Minnesota Vikings. There are tremendous expectations there. Their win total is 10.5. That's a lot. It means they got to get to 11. Oh, wow, Captain Obvious, right? So you've got to get to 11 to cash that total. The Vikings are another team, brand-new coaching staff in 2022. They move from a defensive-minded head coach in Mike Zimmer and turn to an offensive-minded coach like a Sean McVay, uh, Kevin O'Connell, who is a Sean McVay disciple. And the only problem here is this roster might need a couple years to get used to the system, and they might need to transition to a couple new additions because – there's going to be a real drastic change in coaching philosophy. But I'm in line with the situation that has to do with the Vikings can win 10 games, but I don't know they'll win 11. So I think 10.5 is a very difficult number, although it's minus 225. So would it surprise me if the Vikings won 11 games? No, it would not. Their nemesis is obviously going to beat Green Bay. They'll either beat Green Bay or they won't. That's their nemesis. Coming up, is Rodrigo a household name? I'll explain. But first... Let's go back to Nick Cope with the latest. Thanks, Bernie. Shocker at UFC 278 tonight. Leon Edwards knocked out welterweight champ Kamaru Usman with a head kick late in the fifth round of their bout. Cowboys beat the Chargers 32-18 in NFL preseason action. The star of the game was Dallas's Cavante Turpin. He returned a kickoff and a punt for a touchdown. Chicago Bears linebacker Roquan Smith ended his hold-in on Saturday and said he will play out the final year of his rookie contract. Buccaneers lost their preseason game to the Titans on Saturday and might have lost their left guard for some time. Aaron Stinney was carted off with a left knee injury. Head coach Todd Bowles says the team is awaiting more tests. In Major League Baseball, Dodgers shut out the Marlins 7-0. Dustin May coming back from Tommy John surgery. Struck out 9-5 scoreless in his first big league start since May 2021. Padres got a big win against the Nationals 2-1. They needed it. Juan Soto and Josh Bell each hit solo homers against their former team. Albert Pujols, the renaissance man, he just keeps on delivering two more home runs on Saturday as the Cardinals blow out the Diamondbacks 16-7. 692 career home runs now for Pujols. The Yankees, they lost again on Saturday, 5-2 against the Blue Jays. They've now lost six consecutive series for the first time since 1995, but they still have a seven-game lead in the AL East. And then the Braves walked off the Astros 5-4 in 11 innings. They're within three games of the Mets for first place in the NL East. Bernie, back to you. All right, thanks, Nick. 
All right, Hard Knocks is off and running. I'm glad to see the Lions get a win tonight. I, I root for them. I root for Dan Campbell. I covered that team for 10 years. They're in my heart. Uh, in the second episode, all of a sudden now you've got a couple of younger players really absolutely making a name for themselves, not just because they have a nickname and had a cute little rookie show, but they have a sixth-round draft choice, Malcolm Rodriguez out of Oklahoma State, who's a linebacker who's absolutely turning heads. And they gave him somehow they gave him the name Rodrigo, the nickname Rodrigo, like the second day in camp, and he joked about it before he ever really set foot on the field. And and now all of a sudden you've got linebackers coach Kelvin Shepard cussing out the team because you're looking at this kid on film and what he does. He goes, I got an effing rookie that knows how to get the S done. I don't know. You know, I guess it's kind of a thing to just swear. I remember Bill O'Brien dropped an F-bomb every three seconds when the Texans were on. I, I don't know, man. After a while, it just loses its uh, luster to me. But I guess you know how it works. Even my high school football coaches used to swear. Uh, I don't think they do that anymore. We're in different times. But Shepard's not wrong. He was shouting out loud because he sees this rookie, Malcolm Rodriguez, Rodrigo, make play after play during team drills and just pancaking guys. Plus, Malcolm Rodriguez has a personality and a certain energy about him that coaches love, that's infectious. And he's just one of those guys that's willing to do whatever it takes to make himself known. And I, I would say Dan Campbell... You know, finally, the head, he's the head coach, obviously. He asked his fellow coaches, "If are you guys believing in Rodrigo? Are you guys buying stock? And so far, by all means, they are. DeAndre Swift is an incredibly talented running back with a, a, a significant skill set. He is capable of taking it to the next level. The question is, will he? He's his third year in the league. His running back coach, Deuce Staley, believes he has all the makings to be a top back in the NFL. He looked at him in the eye and said, quote, you can be the best in this league. You really can. He looks him in the eye, and there are five other running backs in the same room, but he's only looking at Swift. He goes, but you got to have that dog mentality. you got to bring the S out of you, end quote. This week, uh, the episode started off with Frank Ragnow. Now, Frank Ragnow is a high draft pick. He's an offensive lineman. He was on a fishing expedition. And somebody asked him a ridiculous question. These are the parts of Hard Knocks that make my teeth itch. Somebody asked Frank Ragnow, which is more satisfying, catching a six-pounder or pancaking Aaron Donald? Well, Ragnow, of course, gives the politically correct answer and says, no, come on the ladder, right? Uh, you don't. Uh, that doesn't happen very often. So, But I would say this. The Hard Knocks crew uh, has done a good job overall. They start the show with a two-minute drill at the beginning, and they end it with a two-minute drill with the Lions trying to win the game. And at the end of the game, you're saying, man, they practiced for this. And that was, you know, it was the last minute loss last week to the Falcons. So I'm, I'm looking forward to episode three because the Lions got a win tonight at Indianapolis. And when you're, when you're a team like that, that wants to learn how to win, that competes like their butt off. And they may have started on 11 last year, but when they got it going, I mean, they had all kinds of crazy things, right? 72-yard field. I mean, they just they were jinxed. But I thought they played hard, and I, I like what's happening there. Uh, and after starting off 0-11, the Lions, what, were 3-3-1 three, three and one in their last seven games. Uh, that's not that. Let's add this up to 18. So let me see if I can do this right. The Lions were 3-13-1. So you get the picture. They started off slow, but they finished pretty competitively. By the way, great to see Barry Sanders visiting the Lions. Kind of a trip down memory lane. They showed some old film from a 1997 training camp video. I remember that very well. I was covering the team back then. They used to practice at this outdoor field just adjacent, just south of 
the old Silver Dome. Now, of course, that new Allen Park facility is absolutely beautiful for you Michiganders. You know where that is, right off the 94 freeway and rotunda. And uh, you have a situation where Barry Sanders is making a conversation. He's walking around with the CEO of the Lions, Rod Wood. And uh, Sanders mentioned that uh, the field and camp looks so good. He's, hey, man, I, I might want to go out and practice, right? So I, I guess it was interesting. I don't know if they intentionally planned to segue off the D Andre Swift segment onto Barry Sanders, but I will never forget when Barry Sanders joined the Lions and his rookie year in 1990 is just an, or 89. It was just an instant hit. Maybe it was 90 instant hit. Um, I love the feature on Amon Ross St. Brown. He went to modern day high school in Southern California. He's uh, he, he, this is a very intense individual. You saw him catching balls off the jugs machine. His dad was a former Mr. World, I think bodybuilder. He's also got a brother, Economius, who plays in the league. I remember him in high school, saw him play here when they played Bishop Gorman. These guys are the real deal. He listed all 16 receivers taken before him in the in the 2021 draft. And he says, quote, I read, the chip on my shoulder that I have right now comes from that day. That's what Amon Ross St. Brown said. By the way, St. Brown broke the rookie reception and receiving yards record last season for the Lions, and there's no lack of motivation in his second year. I'm hoping for big things. I wish Jamison Williams would get healthy because that'll give Jared Goff the best chance for success. Goff is on the clock. He's a former number one pick. I would hate to see the Lions have to start over because you draft a guy and you plug him in there, you just set yourself back two or three years, okay? There's only one Joe Burrow per generation. Now, the Lions quarterback room, I felt really bad for David Blau. He's a third-string quarterback. He fumbles away a possession that cost the Lions a game. An interesting side story, which... Hard Knocks is very good at doing. He's married to an Olympic hurdler by the name of Melissa Gonzalez. And, you know, they pan to her in the stands. And we know how the families suffer in silence when their players are on the field trying to make the team. But there was a fun – they showed a video from last year that during the Tokyo Olympics, they were in the the meeting room and all the Lions were jumping up and cheering. And David Blau was cheering uh, when his wife was competing in Tokyo – and uh, you, you saw the facial expressions of of his wife, Melissa Gonzalez, during that preseason opener. That is what you look up stress in a dictionary, you got to picture her face. That's an NFL wife on game day. I've seen it. And this poor guy, David Blau, you know, look, he's either going to make the team or he's not. But those are moments that just stick with you. But hopefully he will. Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan. Everything is advertised. First taste of NFL action. He had a bunch of hustle plays. This guy gets after it. His father was a player at Michigan as well. He's an explosive player. He's a dynamic player. He had a great tackle for loss, I think, on his first play. Went across the field. His family and all his his mom and his sisters, they're looking at him with their eyes wide open. Look, you know, Aiden Hutchinson still got to do it, but he's got a chance to be a game wrecker. And, you know, I'm not saying he's another J.J. Watt or T.J. Watt, but who knows? This guy's a game wrecker, man. He had him mic'd up a little bit. He, he's not afraid. He's a dog. And then, of course, Campbell. I, I, I love Dan Campbell. He loves the fact when he, he's got these nicknames and, and, you know, Rodrigo for Malcolm Rodriguez. And <laughs> there's a player on the team. His name is Josh Reynolds. He calls him Big Smooth, Big Smooth, the serpent of F and death. You got you know, got to have the obligatory F-bomb in there. And then he's got for Devin Funches, the former wide receiver out of uh, University of Michigan. He's, he calls him effing 
funches, bunches of oats. And I guess, you know, maybe you can name your fantasy team that. But Dan, I like Dan Campbell. I don't know anybody that's rooting against Dan Campbell. Come on, man. Detroit, I will go to my grave with this. Detroit is the greatest sports town in all of America. Sorry. You got four historic major league teams. The Tigers, the Old English D, the Pistons, the Red Wings, of course, and the Lions. Everybody talks about that great Baltimore-New York Giants game as the great, greatest game of all time in the 58 NFL championship. But, hell, the year before, the Lions beat Cleveland for the NFL championship like 57-14 to 14 or something with Bobby Lane. That was their last championship. And, of course, they only won, have won one playoff game since then, January 5th, 1992, with, uh, with Eric Kramer at quarterback. John Madden on the call that day as the Lions beat the Cowboys 38-6. to six, And John Madden was remarking, you're, you're witnessing the two teams in the 90s here. So he thought enough of the Lions. Only, well, he was only half right. Dallas went on to win three Super Bowls. The Lions actually did go to five more playoffs the remainder of that decade, but never managed a playoff win, and then Wayne Fonts was fired. And you know what happened next. All right, quote of the week. you got to give it to Dan Campbell this time. Shocker. I mean, this is a guy, he's mic'd up for a reason. He walks right by tight end TJ Hawkinson, who – is wearing, I, I, once you see this, you can't unsee it, okay? It ruined my dinner. He has the highest cut shorts I've ever seen a football player wear. I don't know what he was thinking. And Dan Campbell walks by and says, my wife used to have shorts like them. Really accentuates the buck cheeks, the butt cheeks. Okay, I'm, I'm done. If you watch Hard Knocks, you might want to fast forward past that. It's not a visual. You want to see really tight shorts. I am rooting for the Lions. And if you're not, you're going to hell on a scholarship. Coming up, we talk some Heisman Trophy odds. Remember, we're less than seven days away from week zero in college football, and it's never too soon to start talking Heisman Trophy odds. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Five. All right, I'm back on Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Radio, I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern, come up top of the hour. I'm going to break down uh, the Deshaun Watson suspension. What led up to it, the chronology, everything we know about the 11-game ban, the Browns quarterback plans, the schedule, and and some of the uh, 
uh, and some of the uh, tip, you know, typical uh, uh, things and questions that people want to know. All right, uh, Heisman Trophy odds. It's never too soon to start talking about those. Uh, and look, Alabama quarterback Bryce Young. He has a chance to make real history this year because uh, if they have the kind of season that Alabama can have, he would become only the second person in history to win the Heisman Trophy uh, back-to-back years. Obviously, the first was Archie Griffin back in 1974 and 75 when he was at Ohio State. Uh, And will he do it? It's going to be tough because I think his teammate, Will Anderson, might deserve the award if Alabama has the kind of season that I believe they can have. But it's not just that. The competition for college football's most coveted award appears to be tighter than ever. Uh, Two of the top five finishers from last year's Heisman voting, again, you've got quarterback C.J. Stroud and Alabama Alabama linebacker uh, Will Anderson, who I just mentioned, Will Anderson Jr., they could have gone to the NFL. They didn't. Uh, they, they've returned to school. And, and USC quarterback Caleb Williams transfers in from Oklahoma, and he'll be under Lincoln Riley in that offense. And you really can't even count out Texas running back B. John Robinson. They're also in the mix. But if you're looking for a sleeper, and again, this is one of those what I would consider to be needle in a haystack, you know, shooting BBs at the moon type of a, uh, a bet, well, take a look at Oklahoma quarterback Dylan Gabriel. Here's why. Uh, he's reunited with his coach, Jeff Lebby, at Oklahoma. Jeff Lebby was his offensive coordinator during his freshman year at UCF. And in that year at UCF, Dylan Gabriel threw for just under 4,000 yards and 29 touchdowns. But Oklahoma's going to have to win games, too. They, you, you can't win the Heisman and have a two- or three-loss season. But as, as you look at the odds, as you peruse the odds, you've got the usual suspects. You've got C.J. Stroud at 2-1, to one, uh, Bryce Young at, at plus 350, Caleb Williams at 7-1, Will Anderson 20-1. to one. I think it's going to be one of those four. There's no sense in, in going up and down the list. And I mentioned Gillen, Dylan Gabriel 30-1. to one. Uh, And, you know, Jackson Smith and Giba, he had 300 yards receiving in the – for Ohio State in the Rose Bowl last year, you know, thirty-three to one. I, I just don't think it's going to end up there. It's going to be C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Caleb Williams, or Will Anderson. Le- winking and not, probably to, to probably to Will Anderson. And the reason I say that is because you could have very much made a case for him to win it last year. He wasn't invited to New York. That's going to piss him off. And uh, when you look at you know, when you look at who 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 uh, won it last year, who finished second in the voting last year. Excuse me, it was. Uh, it was uh, 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 Aiden Hutchinson. So, look, the voters know that a defensive guy can do it. Hey, real quickly, the NBA on Christmas, they they, they announced the schedule, Christmas schedule this week, which is on a Sunday this year, competing with the NFL. Some really good matchups. Golden State's going to take on Memphis. It's a rematch of their second-round playoff series during the 21-22 season. Then you've got the Boston Celtics, who lost to Golden State in the NBA Finals. They're going to score off against the Milwaukee Bucks. It's also a rematch of the second-round playoff series where the Celtics uh, defeated the Bucks last year in seven. By the way, on Christmas Day, you you know you've come to expect it. LeBron James will once again become one of the headline superstars on Christmas Day. The Lakers will take on Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. And then, of course, Philadelphia 
will take on the Knicks and the Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets will round out a quintet, a quintuplet of Christmas Day basketball games. By the way, Christmas Day this year falls on a Sunday, 2022. What's the significance of that? They're going to be going head up with the NFL. Should be interesting to see who watches what. But for the discretionary sports fan, man, you're going to have some nice choices. Golden State, Memphis, Boston, uh, Milwaukee, Lakers, uh, Dallas, Philadelphia, and the Knicks. And then, of course, as I just mentioned, Phoenix and Denver. A lot of star power on Christmas Sunday as the NFL will go up against, uh, or check that, the NBA will go up against uh, the NFL. Coming up, I unpack everything on the Deshaun Watson suspension. Everything you needed to know, want to know, ever wanted to know, you're going to know. Keep it locked right here. I'm Bernie Fratto. This is Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. The Fox Sports Sunday train keeps rolling right along. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. we got a ton of stuff to get to. I'll be talking about the Big Ten landmark media rights deal. I want to weigh in on Tiger Woods and what I believe were hypocritical comments as uh, he delved upon the uh, BMW Championship uh, Tour this year. Should the NCAA tournament expand basketball? We'll get to that much later in the show. And, of course, the final hour, we rock and roll. We have uh, what kind of brand-new fool are you, followed by what my name, Chris Perfett's World of Soccer, all kinds of stuff. And I will tell you, we're we're still just getting started. We're halfway home, but a lot of stuff to get to. Okay, arguably the biggest story this week has to have been, you know, has to have been uh, the Deshaun Watson decision, okay, w- whether or not there's closure, which I don't think there's closure because this has to play out. Um, but the decision is final, and that is Deshaun Watson will receive a an 11-game suspension and a $5 million fine. Now, why was Watson suspended and fined? He was suspended and fined for violating the personal conduct policy of the NFL, okay? So... There are. This is the personal conduct policy is is an is a negotiated set of requirements that all owners, employees, player behaviors, you know, it's agreed upon by the NFL and the NFLPA, and you know what the judge determined that he was engaged in predatory behavior during these massage sessions that were documented in 24 civil lawsuits, and and one has not been settled yet. So that was the basis. For their punishment. So how do we get here? Well, it all started when Judge Sue Robinson heard the proceedings, wrapped up in early July. She asked both sides to present their briefs by July 12th, which they did. And then this wasn't played out in public. So, you, you know, this is what I was told that she, Sue Robinson said, I'm, I want both sides to work it out like, like a typical civil, civil lawsuit. And if you don't work it out by August 1st, um, and agree on a settlement for what the suspension should be, then I will issue a, you know, I will mete out punishment. True to her word, August 1st, Monday, about 9.30 Eastern, Judge Robinson announced that it would be six games. The NFL had 72 hours to appeal. They appealed within 48, and on Thursday, August 4th, Roger Goodell appointed judge, or former judge, Peter Harvey, to oversee the proceedings. Now, we both know, we all know, the NFL wanted a full season. 
Deshaun Watson was happy to stick with six games. There were no more arguments heard after this was handed off. This appeal process was said to be, quote, expedited, and expediting, expediting, expedited in the NFL bylaws is tantamount to two weeks. So add it up, two weeks from August 4th is August 18th. Well, guess what? August 18th, they announced that Deshaun Watson would receive 11 games and a $5 million fine. I believe that they had reached an impasse. I believe the judge or that uh, Peter Harvey was very close to laying out a full season. And once you get past the vacuous and the tone-deaf, I am innocent rhetoric the other day and the, the gravity of the additional five games, which this is really going to tick off Cleveland fans, because if Deshaun Watson had been available to play after only missing six games, the five games following that initial six-game suspension are a gauntlet, and they will decide Cleveland's season. Because would you rather have Deshaun Watson back or Jacoby Brissett for games 7 through 11 at Baltimore, Cincinnati, at Miami, at Buffalo, and Tampa Bay? That's a gauntlet. That's why the Browns are so upset. No one's happy, by the way. And what's interesting, if you look at this, because I do believe they'd reached an impasse, and had Thursday come and gone and neither side could agree, because remember, the NFL wanted a full season, but back during the Judge Robinson tenure, the NFL said, okay, we'll give you 12 games and a $10 million fine. Watson said no. He said he would accept eight, but not 12. They ended up with six, and you know what happened after that. Here's what's interesting. So if Watson was willing to accept six games and the NFL wanted 17, you add it up and cut it down the middle, guess what? You're at 11 games. If Watson wanted zero fine and the NFL wanted a $10 million fine, Guess what? You add it up and cut it down the middle, and you end up with a $5 million fine. So there you have it. Deshaun Watson has officially received an 11-game suspension from the NFL. This ends the appeal of the initial six games that was handed down by Sue Robinson. Watson will also be fined $5 million. And also, I left this part out, he must undergo counseling after being accused of sexual assault and sexual misconduct by what? 30 massage therapists, I guess. Now, the NFL did appeal Robinson's decision, and they very much wanted to suspend Deshaun Watson for the entire 22 season. But, you know, Sue Robinson's a former federal judge, and she was appointed by the NFL, and they, she, when she decided the punishment, and it was, even though he was never charged criminally, that doesn't matter in the personal conduct policy. People make, get, get this mixed up all the time. It has to do with conduct detrimental. You don't have to commit murder, uh, to be suspended by the NFL, okay? It, it, the, the personal conduct policy spells these things out. And, and clearly he violated that if you, if you, you know, read the letter of the law. And I would say this, that people who want to continue to conflate this with, well, Calvin Ridley got a whole year, he violated the, uh, the ga- NFL gambling policy. And in the NFL gambling policy, I don't care if you're a receptionist. I don't care if you're a personal director, an assistant coach, a coach, a player. You cannot bet on the NFL. It's spelled right out in the NFL gambling policy. That's what uh, Calvin Ridley was suspended for. Deshaun Watson was suspended for uh, the uh, his violation of the personal conduct policy. And the league took over a year to investigate. And I also, it bothers me when people say, well, last year he was off all year. That should count as time served. Why? 
That was his own decision. Deshaun Watson was completely eligible to play in 2021, earned his entire salary of $10.5 million. When he signed that historic contract with the Houston Texans, he was elated until he wasn't. And he said, I'll never play for the Texans again, and he was a man of his word. But he was completely eligible to play in 2021 and earned his entire salary. Now, they tried to trade him to the Miami Dolphins, and that trade would have gone through, except for one thing. The Dolphins had a stipulation they wanted Watson to settle all of his cases first. He said no. By the way, one of the 24 is still not settled. So there wouldn't have been exemplist either. This is all conjecture and speculation. Stick with the facts. The facts are Watson, his of his own decision, decided not to play at all in 2021, but I digress. So why did why did the NFL appeal in the first place? Because they, they, they agreed that the NFLPA and the NFL agreed to this procedure. And I, I said this three weeks ago that this could end up being a charade if Roger Goodell does not like, and he, you know they ran it up the flagpole and tested the court of public opinion, and there was a lot of outcry. They did not feel six games was appropriate for what had taken place. That's why the suspension was appealed, because the personal conduct policy, as it is laid out in the collective bargaining agreement, assigns an arbitrator, and that assigned Sue Robinson to hear the cases. And the Players Association's task... Their job is to defend the player during these proceedings. So when those two sides squared off last month and the NFL asked for a one-year suspension and Robinson handed down a six-game suspension, after actually she met it, she found the allegations credible. She disagreed with the league's request for a year-long ban. What was her reasoning? She said there was no precedent to justify such a lengthy suspension. But see, the league then, I knew this was going to happen. After tremendous public pressure, in the next 48 hours, argued in their appeal that while there was no precedent for a year-long suspension, it should also be true that Watson's alleged behavior was unprecedented, which it is. And thus, a six-game suspension was simply far too lenient. And under the CBA, the appeal goes to the commissioner, which it did, or his designee, in this case, happened to be, as I mentioned, former New Jersey Attorney General Peter Harvey. And by all accounts, he had his opinion ready to go. But he did, I think, the honorable thing. He was ready to, you know, they were ready to do the year. But what did they do? Cooler heads prevailed, and over the following two weeks, uh, they decided to settle on 11 games and $5 million. I think Dan Beyer put it best the other day when he was on with Aaron Torres. He said he felt that the NFL essentially threw uh, an olive branch to Deshaun Watson and the NFL PA. And I think that's true. So Watson is not going to play in either of the final two postseason, postseason games. And you're not going to see him until week 11 when they visit. Uh, check that week. It might be week 13 because I think there's a bye. But they, they will, of course, coincidentally, they will open up in Houston. Won't that be delicious to watch? So uh, there you have it. December 4th, mark your calendar. Watson will start December 4th, most likely, against the Houston uh, Texans. Watson's going to miss games against the Panthers, Jets, Steelers, Falcons, Chargers, Patriots, Ravens, Bengals, Dolphins, Bills, and Buccaneers. Those last five are brutal. By the way, will will they Cleveland? The next question is: Will Cleveland reconsider Jimmy G? I don't know if they are. Or they aren't. I don't know. I like Jimmy G. He had major shoulder surgery in March. It, it again makes my teeth itch when people go on national. 
media platforms and say, well, see, no one wants him. No, it would be, be so good. How come no one wants him? Come on. He had major shoulder surgery in March. They're not 100% sure, and he comes with a price tag. But you know what? If you get him, you're getting a guy who was 35 and 16 as a starter. Five playoff wins. Would have been seven playoff wins if Jaquaski Tart doesn't drop an arm punt, and the, the Niners' defense could have held a 10-point lead against Pat Mahomes with five minutes to go back in Super Bowl 54. By the way, Kyle Shanahan without Jimmy G, 8-28. and 28. You do the math. Not that hard to figure out. The question now is, by the way, will... Will, and oh, by the way, no, let's not forget. Remember, the Browns have guaranteed Deshaun Watson $230 million. That was originally going to be for 85 games to make $230 million. Now it's going to be down to 74 games. I root for the good fans of Cleveland, but it's going to be a tough road to hoe. The Vegas odds currently have Cleveland at about a 36% chance to make the playoffs. The question will be, A, what will the Browns' record be when Deshaun Watson returns December 4th? And what, in the final six games, what can Deshaun Watson do? If he inherits a team that's, you know, 7-4, and four, and he can go 5-1 and one down the stretch, and this is all hyperbole, of course, who, who the hell really knows, maybe Cleveland sneaks in. I think it's going to be a rough year. Coming up. The Big Ten announced a major landmark media rights deal with CBS, Fox, and NBC. I'm going to break it down, but more importantly, what does this mean on a go-forward basis? Because i got to tell you, this is one hell of a behemoth, and the landscape of college football just simply isn't ever going to be the same. There's a lot of money flowing out there. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Don't go away. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. We're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. And along the way, yes, you get exclusively Motown music, as they say in the business with our bumper music. A lot of stuff to get to. Top of the hour, 2, 2 a.m. Pacific, 5 a.m. Eastern. We launch, again, the dance sensation sweep in the nation. What kind of brand new fool are you followed by? What my name? And of course, don't forget, we got an hour from now, Chris Perfett's World of Soccer, and much, much more. A lot of stuff to get to. Right after Nick Cope's update, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive into the Big Ten landmark media rights deal because it's got a lot of meat on it, and I'm going to need more than, more than eight minutes. Uh, when you consider Kevin Warren, the new commissioner of the Big Ten, bringing his 22 years of the National Football League experience. He understands TV. He understands the importance of matchups, regional rivalries, and the, the, the incredible impact and power. He just negotiated a $1.2 billion deal. I'm going to get to it. What's happening now? You can expect the Big Ten in the next seven years to most likely, is what I'm hearing, grow to 20 teams and the SEC to grow to 20 teams, which is going to leave the 91 teams left on the outside looking in it's part of the mix, and this is going to be interesting to watch. And it is, it's groundbreaking stuff. So hold that thought. I'll get to it at the bottom of the hour. I want to get this off my chest. <clears throat> this week, uh, this week uh, Tiger Woods flew to the BM Ch- BMW Championship on Tuesday to discuss the uh, LIV golf situation. And uh, speaking on... On behalf of the PGA and speaking to and about the players who made the decision to leave, Wood said, and I quote, 
I disagree with it. I think what they've done is turn their back on what has allowed them to get into this position. Tiger went on to say, and I quote, I know what the PGA Tour stands for and what we have done and what the tour has given us. In the ability to chase after our careers and earn what we get and the trophies we have been able to play for and the history that has been a part of this game. End quote. All right. Here's the hypocrisy. You see, here's why this sounds hypocritical to me. Um, as you probably know, the PGA hosts about 45 events per year. But even in his heyday, Tiger would only play in about 10 or 11 events per year. And, and, and always the four majors, right? He wanted to catch Jack. So he'd play in the four majors. And all told, out of the f- potentially total of 45 tournaments a year, Tiger would play in about 10 or 11. And he would head to Asia. He would head to Hong Kong. He'd head to Singapore or Dubai. Why? or Europe, where often there were more lucrative opportunities for Tiger. So what did Tiger do? He did what was best for him, which is okay. Financially, those decisions were the best for him. So I'm not really sure if he's grandstanding or, you know, he did turn down $800 million from the LIV. He doesn't need the money. I never count anybody else's money. It's pretty clear he doesn't need the money. I feel like he's grandstanding, maybe virtue signaling a little bit. And that's fine. He's Tiger Woods. He's a face of golf the last 25 years. But every action has an opposite reaction. And I would just say this, that if Tiger Woods did what was best for him, only playing in 25% of the PGA tournaments that were offered during his heyday and then heading off to Europe and Hong Kong and Asia and Dubai and Singapore, because those opportunities were more lucrative for him than calling out people doing it now. And and I get it. I'm on record. I could not take the Saudi-backed money. My Catholic guilt will kick in. And it's just, that's how I roll. But I, my, but I don't play God. I don't tell other people what to do. Meanwhile, by the way, not for nothing, former PGA Tour golfer Patrick Reed, he actually filed a lawsuit this week because he said that commentator... Brandel Chambly and the Golf Channel have acted in concert with uh, PGA's two primary tours to defame his character for most of the last decade. This is kind of crazy. The suit was filed just this last Tuesday in the United States uh, District Court, and Patrick Reed claims that Chambly and the Golf Channel, quote, conspired with the PGA Tour and the PGA Tour Commissioner, Jay Monahan, again, and I quote, to engage in a pattern and practice of defaming Mr. Reed with malice since Reed was 23 years old. The defamation suit was, quote, claimed to destroy Reed's reputation, create hate, and a hostile work environment for him with the intention to his credit, his name, and accomplishments. Now, Patrick Reed is now 32 years old, so if this has been going on since for nine years, I don't, I don't know. But Patrick Reed is a nine-time, he's no slouch, he's a nine-time tour winner, And remember, Patrick Reed won the Masters in 2018. And uh, he's made, Patrick Reed's made just under $40 million in career earnings. But in late June, Patrick Reed resigned from the PGA Tour because he wanted to join LIV Golf. And that same week, during a joint press conference with fellow defectors Brooks Kepka and Pat Perez, Reed said he was 
joining LIV to spend more time with his family. But Tuesday's lawsuit cites examples of Chambly saying Reed was leaving the tour for a massive cash payout being offered by LIV, saying Reed was playing for blood money and acting as an employee of Saudi Arabian Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. I don't know if I pronounced that right. The rhetoric is just off the charts now, man. It's just, it's just come on. And the suit reasserted basically that Reed's primary reason for leaving the PGA was to spend more time with his family because he felt the PGA Tour ignored players' requests and suggestions over the year. Well, I, I don't know. I don't look. The only thing I know about Brandel Chambly, I went to I went to one Masters, not in, a, in an official capacity. I didn't cover it. But in 1999, I went down to the Masters, and I in I recommend anybody to get to Augusta. If you can, walk that course. It's nothing like it looks on TV. It's far more undulating, but I, I digress. Brandel Chambly led after day one. I was only there day one and day two. Then I flew home on Saturday. I was in Michigan at the time. But day one, Brandel Chambly was the leader of the 99 Masters after the first round. I remember going to a nice restaurant in Augusta that night. And uh, the lady said, would you like some wine? I said, bring me your finest bottle of Brandel Chambly. She looked at me like I had three heads. She didn't even know who Brandel Chambly was. By the way, Augusta, Georgia, the home of Ty Cobb. When you get outside that golf course, you're in a different world. The golf course is in its own world, and Augusta's in its own world. And uh, and look, whatever's going to happen between the LIV and, and the PGA remains to be seen. But... The, whether, you, whether we like it or not, they're going to have to find a way to coexist because we're talking about this Saudi family that's you know got deep pockets to the tune of seven eight hundred billion dollars, maybe even a trillion, and they can do this for a long time. They're doubling to fourteen sixteen tournaments next year. They're creating more things. I understand they they even added a new incentive, and I have to verify this that if one of the LIV players wins a major or wins the Masters, they get a million dollar bonus. So. Uh, you know, this Patrick Reed, Brandel Chambly lawsuit, apparently Stillwater's run, run deep. Patrick Reed asserts that, you know, I don't know if any of this is true, that Chambly has a long history of targeting Patrick Reed with defamatory attacks. Again, I don't know if it's true. So Reed's attorneys filed a, you know, I guess at one point three years ago, filed a cease and desist letter. And this is what is also crazy. Reed is seeking $750 million in compensatory damages. Now, okay. Can can we all get along here? I mean, this has really kind of gone too far. The rhetoric is silly. It doesn't do anything to grow the game of golf, which they said they wanted to do. Although I will say this, the one thing the LIV done, has done is pour a ton of money and has caused the PGA to up their ante too. So the tide rises, all the boats rise. Speaking of money, speaking of outrageous deals, the Big Ten... They announced a landmark media rights deal with CBS, Fox, and NBC. I'll lay it out for you. There's a lot to unpack. You're going to want to pay attention. But first, let's go back to Nick Cope with the latest. Well, talking about golf, the final round of the BMW Championship, part of the FedEx Cup playoffs coming up later today here on Sunday. Patrick Cantlay at the top of the leaderboard with a one-shot lead at 12-under. For NFL preseason, it was really the weekend of backups, and one of those backups that's maybe making a case for himself to potentially be a starter is the Steelers' Kenny Pickett. Led a two-minute drill at the end of the first half, 
culminated in a touchdown. Steelers would go on to beat the Jaguars 16-15. But we did have some starting quarterbacks play on Saturday. Josh Allen completed all three of his passes for a touchdown. Bills blew out the Broncos 42-15. Patrick Mahomes played a decent amount as well. He threw for 162 yards, couple scores. Chiefs beat the Commanders 24-14. In Major League Baseball, the Dodgers shut out the Marlins 7-0. Los Angeles pitcher Dustin May returned from Tommy John's surgery, striking out nine and five scoreless in his first big league start since May 2021. Albert Pujols hit two more home runs as the Cardinals blew out the Diamondbacks 16-7. Pujols now with 692 career home runs. Braves walked off the Astros 5-4 in 11 innings. They're within three games of the Mets for first in the NL East. UFC 278 going on Saturday night and a shocker in Salt Lake City. Leon Edwards knocked out welterweight champ Kamaru Usman with a head kick late in the fifth round. Bernie, back to you. Yeah, that was a bit of a shocker to me, man, because I saw their first fight and Usman looked unbeatable, but that's why they play the games. All right, thanks, Nick. All right, speaking of games, man... You'll get your chance to watch a lot of Big Ten games over the next seven years on CBS, Fox, and NBC. Not on ESPN, but that's okay. There's still plenty of opportunities out there. The Big Ten Conference this past week signed a seven-year media rights deal, and it's not even close. It's the most lucrative rights deal in the history of college sports, and it's not close. And the new agreement won't begin until 2023, but it'll run for seven years and not only will Big Ten games be on all three major networks, but if you live out here on the West Coast, from morning, from the time you get up, till nighttime. And that was basically a statement that was made in their press conference. As far as the current deal, I mean, it completely resets the bar for what universities can now make on their media rights. And when USC and UCLA are added to the Big Ten in 2024, the annual payout per school over the lifetime of the agreement will average over $70 million per conference member in this now 16-team conference. They still call it the Big Ten because it's been a trademark name for, what, 80 years, so they're never going to change. Hell, they've been the Big 14 for, what, two decades now. So there you have it. And and what's your as far as our Fox uh, coverage, uh, that'll be, it looks like, at the noon Eastern time window. And then you'll have CBS. If you, These are all Eastern times. We'll, we'll, we'll go with Eastern times. The kickoff will be uh, on Fox on noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific. But then on CBS during the 3.30 time slot. And then NBC in prime time. And then there'll be a CBS mid-afternoon Big Ten game. That won't start until the 2024 season because the network that network also holds the rights to SEC games in that time window there in the 2023 season. Now, again, as I mentioned, this removes Big Ten games from ESPN, which recently committed mm, about $300 million annually to a, a 10-year deal with the SEC beginning in 2024. And it's my understanding and belief they're about to commit upwards of maybe $380 million to the Pac-12. I'm talking about ESPN now. Uh, because I like that Pac-12 after dark, and Pac-12 is the only major conference uh, that can offer games in all four time slots on a weekly basis, meaning uh, if you are up late and, and sipping your favorite beverage about 10, 10, 30 on, on uh, East Coast time, 
you you can enjoy the the Pac-12 as well to your to your heart's delight. Now, Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren, who took over right before COVID started in 2020, uh, he had some I thought some interesting comments, and I will quote him. He said the Big Ten Conference Media Rights Agreement is not just about dollars and deals. It's a mechanism to provide stability and maximum exposure for our student-athletes, our member institutions, and our partners during these uncertain times in college athletics. It's true. It wasn't that long ago we were all scared out of our minds during COVID as we watched athletic departments in the red, games canceled, no TV, no fans in the stands, no game. What did Stanford cancel? Like nine Olympic sports? So this infusion of cash can do a lot of good things. I know people are against it. It's going to completely turn into upheaval, you know, regionality, tradition. The Rose Bowl will never be the same. I know some folks are up in arms and long saying, I get it. I get it. But what are you going to do? There's, pro- there's always going to be progress. We used to fight wars with a single-shot rifle. 20 years ago, there was no college playoff to speak of, really. And they started the BCS. 20 years before that, there was really no cable TV. And then ESPN came out. 20 years before that... There was no TV, really. So the long and the short of it is this is going to be called progress, whether you, whether you like it or not. Now, CBS will begin airing Big Ten comment, uh, content excuse me, uh, in 2023. They're, they'll have about seven football games. And by the way, CBS will also be broadcasting men's and women's basketball. And starting in 2024... CBS will air as many as 15 or 16 Big Ten regular season football games, including they're going to be introducing a Black Friday game, which would be pretty cool. That's Thanksgiving, right, the day after Thanksgiving, and then that always leads into the, the great Ohio State-Michigan game. Meanwhile, NBC, remember, it's CBS, Fox, and NBC. Meanwhile, in 2023, NBC will air about 16 games, Big Ten games, and they're going to launch something called Big Ten Saturday night. So we'll see what the hell that is. But And all these agreements with all these networks, uh, and you know, this, of course, piggybacks on Fox and their big noon Saturday coverage. And I would say when you when you when you add up all of the all of the games and all the networks and, you know, it'll, it, it'll be interesting in, in determining, I guess, who gets to pick the pick of the litter as as well. I don't know how these things are going to work. I know there's an inventory platform, uh, and the way it's been laid out, it looks like Fox and FS1 uh, in 23 and 24. They have about 27 football games, and then after that, they'll have about 32 games each of the next six years. That's a lot. That's great. Okay, That's just Fox and FS1. It will also air, and this is important, Fox will also get to air FS1 for of the seven Big Ten championship games during the life of the contract. Also, again, this is not just about football. FS1 and Fox, they'll broadcast as many as 45 men's basketball games beginning in the fall of 2023 for that season, and at least that many in the remaining years of the contract. But Fox will not have any of the men's conference tournament games, but they'll have the option to broadcast some select women's games and some select Olympic sporting events. So this is a little bit more of a comprehensive deal than just football. The Big Ten Network, they're part of the mix. They'll have about 40 games in the 23-24 season. They'll increase to 50 games for the remainder of the deal. 
And by the way, here's what really gets interesting for the Big Ten Network. They're going to be broadcasting about 125 men's basketball games annually, including eight from the tournament to the semifinals and championship. So the wealth is spread across the board. And by the way, the Big Ten Network is the primary home of the league's uh, Olympic sports. So you have that. NBC, they'll have about 16 football games in 2023. And then for the remainder of the contract, about 15 football games for a year for the remainder, you know, up through 29-30. NBC will get their crack at one championship game of the Big Ten Championship. And uh, yeah, NBC deserves a lot of credit because they made their bones on their Sunday night NFL broadcasts, and that has become a staple of of Americans watching. I think Sunday night football is now is as popular, if not even more popular, uh, than Monday night football. And NBC, give them credit, they carved out that college niche with Notre Dame, and they're going to apply the same production value to the Big Ten primetime you know, opportunities. I would say there will be probably a lot of extensive cross-promotion on NBC between the NFL and Big Ten, now the best of both worlds. Let's not forget Peacock. Peacock won the direct-to-consumer part of the deal. They're going to have eight games per season for the remainder of the contract, and they'll also show about 35 men's basketball games and some women's basketball games, and they'll even have – an opening night doubleheader in college basketball featuring two women's teams. And these will be streams, okay? They'll stream about 30 games a season and 20 will be conference games, so you can't forget them. Finally, last but not least, CBS, they'll be airing about seven football games during the inaugural season. Again, they're sharing broadcast time. CBS also has a big commitment to the SEC, but CBS's Big Ten commitment is going to increase to about 15 games per season thereafter, and CBS will also get two Big Ten title games. So uh, they're going to share the wealth, and again, CBS will also carry men's basketball, which they've done for years. They'll get about 11 games a year, and they'll also get the semifinals and finals of the Big Ten tournament, as well as the women's tourney title game. So there you have it. This is a massive agreement. Fox, CBS, NBC, and Here's the best part. I'm not joking. From an inside Big Ten source who was quoted as saying, the day of the deal, we are not done expanding. What does that mean in terms of timetable or potential expansion targets or the overall stability of the remainder of college athletics? No one's talking about that yet. And I believe the Big Ten is posturing to basically keep their rival, the SEC, off balance. I mean, I the, the quote I heard was, "Hey, okay, SEC, you got the hardware, you got all the trophies, but we got all the bank." And I think you will see the Big Ten in the next seven years grow to twenty teams. The SEC will grow to twenty teams. That leaves ninety-one good college programs left on the outside looking in. A lot of quality programs. What's going to happen? I don't know. I hope it completely doesn't diminish or ruin the national championship or create a two-tier league like soccer or have the perception of what's a JV league and you have different multiple championships. These things have to be worked out. And by the way, I hope actually they expand the college football championship, which I believe they'll do. And that will determine whether or not Notre Dame maybe throws their hat in the ring. I know the Big Ten would love to have them. Notre Dame has snubbed them twice. It's a it's a difficult conversation talking point for some folks. But, uh, you know, Notre Dame's locked in pretty well with NBC. And they got a good thing going, and they want to keep their independence while making as much money as they can. I think Notre Dame is waiting to see 
what the next college football playoff format looks like because if it's favorable to uh, a wide variety of at-large teams, I think Notre Dame stays independent. But all of this is grist for the mill. The money is is, is as long as train smoke, which <laughs> may not be the best reference for some of you folks who remember your sports history, but be that as it may, an incredible media rights deal carved out by the Big Ten this week. They said they were going to do it. They did it. $1.2 billion and 16 schools are going to benefit immensely, and we'll see the residual effects of that and how the SEC counters. Coming up, a couple bits of business, some more NIL news, and one final thing about Cleveland. Somebody told me they thought they were a domestic violence haven for troubled football players. Remember, Deshaun Watson is the only one who had a situation this past week. There's one other player, too, that people are talking about again based on last week's news. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday and Fox Sports Radio. All right, we're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. We're just about 10 minutes away from the dance sensation sweep in the nation. What kind of brand new fool are you? Followed by What My Name. And of course, uh, We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. Still plenty of show to go. Uh, one final note on Cleveland. And, and, you know, for what it's worth, look, these things in the NFL, I I was very much a supporter of Michael Vick. He was contrite. He paid his debt. He came back. had several good years in the NFL. Will Deshaun Watson be back? Yes. Uh, we're a nation that wants to forgive, It's but it's going to take time. And, and you may ask yourself, Someone sent me this text uh, the other day. Has Cleveland become a domestic violence haven for troubled football players? Because remember, okay, so Deshaun Watson, he accepts the 11-game suspension for his role in what you would call, I guess, the massage parlor fiasco. But he's got a teammate, Kareem Hunt, who joined the Browns in 2019 after a domestic violence incident at a, at a hotel in Cleveland. Well, the running back, and uh, it, it, by the way, he Kareem Hunt is a is a Cleveland area native, but at the time he was a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, Hunt assaulted a woman in the hallway in an incident that was captured on video, and what happened next? The Chiefs quickly severed ties with Kareem Hunt, who was actually the NFL's leading rusher as a rookie in 2017. But, hey, Kareem Hunt's effectively stayed out of trouble since joining the Browns. And Michael Vick has gone on to be a stellar individual and, a, a, and an ambassador in the National Football League. I, Michael, I met him once. I really like Michael Vick. So, look, there will come a time, you know, I, but Deshaun Watson's going to be a, have to be a lot more contrite. And I don't, frankly, I don't think the, the Browns owner, Jimmy Haslam, has been stellar in this he said the other day i think this country and hopefully in the world people deserve second chances uh i really think that he went on to say is watson supposed to never play again is he supposed to never be part of society does he get no chance to rehabilitate himself okay don't don't talk stupid this is a whole new level of nonsense now uh is he never, who's saying he's never going to play again who's saying he can't be a part of society uh, he's already made what 80 million in his career, and he's going to make another 230 million. Does he get a chance to rehabilitate himself? That's up to him. 
he hasn't admitted he's done anything wrong. He that's really the the larger hanging issue over this whole dynamic here, and it's not what has taken place and what we've observed over the last 19 months, but how Deshaun Watson appears to be incredibly tone deaf and vacuous. He's in he's been enabled. He's been entitled. To get up and say the things he said the other day after everything, some people wonder if the NFL was duped. How can he go into any kind of rehabilitation if he hasn't admitted he's got anything wrong? So he's got to undertake an education process. And can he come back and play again and be for all those things? The truth of the matter is that's only up to one person. That's up to Deshaun Watson. He knows what he needs to do. Keep it locked right here. I'm Bernie Fratto. This is Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Live. The Fox Sports Sunday train keeps rolling right along. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern, and like it is most weeks, the last hour is a raucous one. Why? Because without further ado, we lead off this hour with what we have called the dance sensation sweeping the nation. Because every week, every day, every hour in this interesting and idiosyncratic planet of ours, and certainly in this great, great country, the United States of America, somebody does something which causes you to completely scratch your head and lose your mind in a segment we affectionately call, What Kind of Brand New Fool Are You? All right, you know how... Uh, when you get into a political season, you get those texts and calls from politicians running for office during election season. Well, meet politician Joe Mullins. He had an interesting weekend last weekend since somebody randomly contacted him by text and offered him to sell him an eight ball of cocaine, according to the Flagler County Sheriff's Office. Now, an eight ball slang for an eighth of an ounce or Three and a half grams, not that I know anything about these things. But according to the arrest report, a gentleman by the name of Jack Edward Fisher, who just turned 18 in March, texted politician Mullins and said, hey, man, you still need that eight ball? And so detectives narrowed down the phone number to that of Fisher and engaged him to arrange what would have been an undercover buy. And the transaction was to be taking place on a typical street corner. And at 12.40 a.m. Monday morning, Fisher approached the detective's vehicle and what does he do? 
He makes contact one of the detectives and identifies himself. And, they had, and by the way, the detective identified himself as a law enforcement officer. And the arrest report states that Fisher, quote, allegedly threw the container he was holding in his right hand, tore the lake in an attempt to get rid of the suspected cocaine he was carrying. And on the ground next to the container was a clear plastic baggie containing a white rock. He was busted. Fisher was then identified. The detective called the number Mullins had provided. Fisher's phone rang, confirming he was the one who'd communicated with the commissioner and the detectives. All I can say, Jack Edward Fisher, what kind of brand new fool are you? Now, Chris Perfett, you have excelled at this segment, so I'm waiting with bated breath to see what you've got tonight. Well, we've got a federal case for you, Bernie, that spans both New Jersey and Texas. That's right. Two great tastes that taste great together here. <laughs> As we go to uh, the sordid tale of Armando Consacao about uh, making sure you pay what you want to get your services for. Armando Consacao, I hope I'm getting that pronunciation right is being charged, indicted by a federal grand jury, one charge each of conspiracy to commit murder and causing another to travel interstate or using interstate facilities with the intent that a murder for hire be committed, which means he tried to hire an assassin. So this person that he met with was obviously not the person that he thought he was getting. He was uh, bugged, wiretapped by the FBI. They knew right away what he wanted. So there's two there's two points that stick out to this. Number one, the person that Mr. Consacal wanted uh, assassinated was a 13 year old girl in Texas. Oh my goodness! So I have no clue how this connection. Consacal himself is 57. So there's a lot the of motive. Uh, no motive right now in the in the papers. Yeah, oh. we will get to that as the case goes on. I'm sure. What sticks out to me and what makes Consacal truly foolish, not that you know. Hiring people for a hit is very easy in this country. Uh, you know, very easy, very quickly, you know, got stung by a Fed. But that Consacal, uh, so here's here's the part that sticks out to me. The apparently cooperating witness explained Consacal that he knows a guy who is quote cheap. He's charging fifteen bucks, ten bucks. Problem solved. I would have. I I have never hired a hit, Bernie. I imagine if I am being quoted fifteen dollars. Something's something's going off in my head because that's really way too cheap. Consacal simply says, "Okay." Oh my goodness! So so Consacal thought he could hire a hit for about uh, fifteen dollars, and that this wasn't a trap at all, which meant very. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know what the going rates are, Bertie, for uh, traveling to Texas and and shooting a thirteen-year-old girl, girl and their family, but I am sure it is a lot more than fifteen dollars. I'm sure it's a lot more than the bare minimum I spend at a sushi joint in Northridge. So for that, Consacal is the brand new fool. Now let's go back to your opening salvo, uh, because I know you're really good at pop culture. Do you remember what famous commercial that Two Great Taste Taste Great Together was for? I do not, Bernie. I am and you can probably Google it and find it on YouTube. It was, you're close, okay, you're on it. Reese's peanut butter cups. I was gonna say it was it was definitely chocolate and and, and peanut butter. I just and peanut butter. Yeah, a guy was walking down the stairs, up the stairs. One had a candy bar, and the other had a jar of peanut butter, and the candy bar fell into the peanut butter, and they like this famous mm-hmm. discovery. I bet you can find it on on YouTube. It's one of those long time commercials. All right, that's a good one. A fifteen dollar assassin from New Jersey to Texas. We're telling you, folks, these people are damn fools. All right, 
I got a feeling Tab Vistek is going to excel at this as well. Tab, what do you got for us? Well, guys, we're heading to the great state of Florida where a man is recovering after being bitten by a 12-foot alligator on his head, fracturing his skull and jaw. But he was able to pry the gator's mouth away to swim. His name, J.C. Defeats. He was swimming in Lake Thonotusa where a near-deadly uh, reptile tried to kill him. You're probably asking yourself, why would a man be swimming in a gator-infested lake? Well, I will tell you. He was swimming there for an educational video for his company. Well, Mr. JC Defeats, what can you... What are you the fool? Oh, man, I, I butchered that, man. That was bad. <laughs> Just keep going. You all right? No, that was it. I totally forgot the name of the segment. That's why. I, you know what? I kind of heard... It's okay. Uh, good job. And by the way, I heard something about this story. Now, maybe I've conflated it with something else. But I think this guy, okay, again, I didn't source this. He thought the alligator was a dog. Wait, what? I heard that. That's why he, he, he was like, oh, there's a dog in here. And he gets bit by the alligator. I don't know if it's true. Either way, he, he makes the list. What kind of brand new fool are you? Okay, so uh, you make your uh, debut there, Tab. Nicely done. Okay, Nick, uh, Nick uh, Cope, you're up, buddy. All right, we're going to go to Milwaukee and American Family Field, home of the Milwaukee Brewers, taking on the Dodgers four-game set earlier this week. And on Thursday, prior to the final game, David Vasse, a Dodgers reporter, is doing a little bit. He's going to go down that slide out there in left field. Bernie Brewer, so yep. aptly named, he yep. goes down the slide after every Brewer's home run. So David Vasse wants to try a shot at it. Goes down at the first time. Everything goes well. But you know what? Let, let's make sure we got the shot. Let's just do it one more time. Well, the second time as he makes that descent and comes barreling around the corner, Mr. David Vassay just goes flying into the protective padding there, but it wasn't protective enough because he breaks two bones in his wrist Ooh. and cracked six ribs, got a soft cast on him. I've seen some pictures. He's since been put oh. in a sling recovering. He was a very good sport about it and handled it well, and once he got fixed up, he rejoined the game. This happened before the game, so a couple hours later, game gets going. Midway through the game, he's back doing his job, but tough break there for David Vasse. What yeah, kind of brand-new fool one. are you? Well, and, and they've been doing the Bernie Brewer thing for 50 years at the old county stadium in Milwaukee. My buddy Larry Sorensen pitched for the Brewers for years, and uh, I'd kind of forgotten they're doing that at the new stadium, so that's that's an interesting one. All right, great job by everybody. And, of course, what that does is segue into the second favorite dance move sweep in the nation, something that we very lovingly call What My Name. It's game show time. All right, guys, there's going to be a theme tonight. Given the Deshaun Watson suspension, we're going to go into the cookie jar, and you'll pick up on the theme right away. And you guys have been kicking ass in this segment. I believe you're 9 of 10, 9, on, nine and 1 the last two weeks. So we might have to tweak it a little bit but we'll start with a softball here okay back in 2007 i was suspended indefinitely for two years in the nfl for my part in a dog fighting scandal nick cope we'll start with you what my name michael vick bam there you go gave me a nice softy there well you know now you guys are 10 of 11 but now here here the heavy lifting starts all right, back in 2007, same year, 
I was suspended for the entire 2007 season for attacking a stripper and threatening a security guard's life here in Las Vegas. Tab Vistek, what my name? Who is Donovan McNabb? Oh, God, no, it wasn't him. You're joking, right? You didn't really think it was him, did you? I did, yeah. Okay, all right. It's all fair. Hope you're not listening, Donovan. It's all good. I like how you came right out with the confidence, though. All right, back in 2007, I was suspended the entire season for attacking a stripper and threatening a security guard's life here in Las Vegas. Chris Perfett, what my name? Uh, no, I got nothing. Nope. It's all nope. right. Nope. Okay. No problem. I was suspended the entire 2007 season back on May 15, 2007, Department of Redundancy Department, for attacking a stripper and threatening a security guard's life here in Las Vegas. Nick Folk, what my name? Adam, don't call me Pac-Man Jones. Two for two! Look at this! All right, you guys are 11 out of 12. We're going ha- to have to up a little bit. You, you guys get this one, and, and, and you, by the way, you're fully capable. Uh, but... Uh, and by the way, I accidentally called you Nick Folk, the former kicker. And I haven't That's been all right. Drinking. He had, I he had some good moments. I, I, I promise. I haven't been drinking. All right, here we go. I was suspended the entire 2009 season. I killed a pedestrian while driving under the influence. Uh, Chris Perfett, what my name? Uh, 2009? Yes. Um, maybe. Well, I'm out of time. Never mind. All right, no problem. 2009, I was suspended for the entire 2009 season. Department of Redundancy Department again. I killed a policeman while driving under the influence. Tab Vistek, what my name? You know what? I'm going to throw a name out there. Uh, who is Richie Incognito? Uh, <laughs> no, but I like <laughs> I like the cut of your jib, man. I just remember you're, it now, too. You're a natural for this kill. game. Uh, okay. Back in 2009, I was suspended for the entire season because I killed a pedestrian while driving under the influence. Uh, Nick Cope, what my name? You're hitting my wheelhouse here with this late 2000s NFL suspensions. Dante Stallworth. You are three for three, my friend. You're about to bat for the cycle. Former New Orleans Saint, yes. All right, back in 2011, I was suspended for five games because I received, oh, I was part of an improper benefit scandal at Ohio State. Chris Perfett, what my name? Oh, yes, lovely. Uh, Terrell Pryor. Bam! You guys are four for four! I love it! 14 out of 15. You know what? We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do a couple more here. This is just this is just rocking and rolling. All right. And May 2nd, 2012, I was suspended for the entire 2012 season, but it was later overturned. Is my part in the Bounty Gate scandal. Tab Vistek, what my name? Oh, man. I, I don't know. Um, Adrian uh, Martinez. <laughs> quarterback in Nebraska. Former quarterback. I'm sorry. All right. I was suspended for the entire 2012 season for my part in the Bounty Gate scandal, but it was later overturned. That's the key to this question. Um, Chris Perfett, what my name? Okay, so this is rough because there's like four people in there. They all got different suspensions. I'm going to take a shot and say Jonathan Vilma. You got it. Bam. Oh, man. Was terif- right, gotta, I was terrified. I thought he might have gotten only eight games. Uh, No, see, and the key is, again, not only did he get the whole season, but, again, it was overturned. I don't know. You, you guys are on such fire. 
I don't know. Do we do one more, guys? I think we should maybe do one more. Should we? Why not? Okay, We're on let's a do it. I will Give me softball. I, I will. Con- okay. Okay. I'll tell you what. You guys get this one. Um. You all get. Uh, okay. You get. Uh, you, you get cookies out of petty cash, and I got to provide them. All right. Back in 2007, I was suspended for eight games based on a firearms charge and a violation of my probation. Uh, Nick, what my name? Oh, Nick Cope. I, uh, I'm thinking. I, I, it's beyond me. I'm sorry. All right, no problem. Back in 2007, I was suspended for eight games due to a firearms charge, which is a violation of my probation tab. Vice deck, what my name? Oh, man. I can tell you it's not Tim Tebow. Um, I don't know. I'm lost. <laughs> it's not Tim Tebow. That's actually a correct answer. It's not Tim Tebow. All right. One last one. I was suspended for eight games in 2007 based on a firearms charge, violation of my probation. Chris Perfett, what my name? It's a sordid tale, and then he's one of our coworkers. I'm going to say it's Plaxico Burris. No, I, it's oh. actually it's actually Tank Johnson. Okay, okay you know what? I'm going to give you half credit there. I didn't want to bring Plaxico into this, but he was suspended for four games in 2008, accidental shooting of a firearm, and uh, and so yeah, that that, that did happen. Oh, but so Gage, I was off by a year. Okay, but you know you're not wrong because the firearms charge. Yeah, you know what? That's I should actually probably give you some credit for that. All right, excellent job, guys, on both fronts. Uh, we'll keep it rolling. Coming up, bring you back out to Vegas. Mackenzie Rivers, we are in agreement that the Bears are going to be the worst team in the NFL this year. Uh, I know the pros are heavily pounding them under their total of six and a half. And I think Mackenzie is too, but he's got maybe different reasons than I got. We'll match notes here coming up. I'm Bernie Fratter. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday and Fox Sports Radio. All right, back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. We're bringing you back out to Las Vegas. We're joined by Mackinac Sports' McKenzie Rivers. We are in agreement that the Bears will likely be the worst team in the NFL. They've got the worst offensive line. They're on a complete rebuild. Betting the under a six and a half. Win total is now up to minus 160, but you've got your own reasons for fading the Bears, McKenzie. Well, first of all, on the surface, let's just admit it's all good, right? I mean, they're 2-0 straight up and ATS. And Roquan Smith ended his hold in today. He's going to play for the Bears this year. Of course, if you dig deeper into any of the surface level, like what's actually happening with the first teams with the preseason or when Roquan Smith says, I'm going to play out my final year, not exactly a ringing endorsement of being part of the team Underneath the surface, it's all bad for the Bears, and that's why they were expected to win seven games when the season opener started in February when they threw out the first opening odds. Now they're expected to win, like you said, six and a half shaded minus 190 to the under in some spots. You estimate that to be about 5.8 wins expected down from seven. Quite a fall. Why? Because I think if you see the preseason, it's just not what you want to see. Three points in four possessions. I think it all starts there. They're not supporting Justin Fields with any targets, any wide receivers. You see even the Lions added like DJ Chark to the mix, a guy that had 1,000 yards in his career. No one on the Bears has had more than 600. It's all going to be Darnell Mooney, so I don't see where they're going. 
but I'll, I'll pass it over to you. Why do you think they're going to be the worst team in the league where you can get that at 11-1? to 1? I think that's a great bet. I think this is a throw-it-away season for new coach Matt Eberflus. Yeah, new coach, new system, a complete rebuild, worst offensive line. Hell, they had Roquan Smith last year. By the way, highly productive for three years. They were only 6-11 and 11 last year, and their point differential was minus 95, and they lose Allen Robinson. So let me count the ways. And I like Justin Fields a lot, but you could surround him with all pro-wide receivers. I still have to be convinced he can operate from the pocket because he's under duress. His default mechanism is to run, and I, I like him. I like every aspect about his character, his physical ability, all those things, but he has to operate from the pocket. He's going to run face first into a linebacker, and it's not going to be good. He's already done that. So that's kind of my short reason uh, why McKenzie, and I, I think when you look at the echo chamber, they got this one right. The Bears, I think, what, they're going to win, what, five, six games maybe? Yeah, that's the that's the Vegas estimation. I think that's optimistic. Maybe I think they're going to be the worst team in the league. So three wins, somewhere around there. Yeah, I'll that's possible too. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. I think you I think you nailed it on the head with Fields has to operate in the pocket, and that's why I'm so discouraged from what I've seen in the preseason. I know only four possessions, but again, only three points. But the analytics, the deeper numbers, not good. So time per drop back, Justin Fields this preseason four drives. I know, but. 3.43 average seconds per dropback. If he was a starter last year and put up that number, it would be by far the most amount of time anyone is hanging out with the ball, not knowing what to do, not making a quick that's decision. That's a strong stat. And that's what that's not going to get better when you don't have guys that are winning one-on-one. That's what a guy like Allen Robinson can do for you. To Fields' credit, he does have a 7% big-time throw percentage. What's that? It's, if you make a throw, that's tough. If you say, wow, I can't believe he threw it in that window downfield for a first down and more, that's the kind of fields. That's the kind of throws that Fields has made consistently. Last year, the second half of the season, only Kyler Murray had a better big-time throw percentage, and we've seen that in the preseason. He, he hit one you know, big-time throw. That's the 7%. That's the three points. That's the only redeeming factor to their offense. So... I like 11 to 1 to be the worst team in the league, but uh, credit to Steve Fezzik, he put me on this. It's a little harder to find, but 6 to 1 to have the least amount of points in the league. Uh, only Steve Fezzik would know this, but the Farmers Almanac says it's bad, bad weather coming down in Chicago in December and November. And Justin Fields is already going to have, like you said, the worst offensive line. PFF says the worst wide receiver cores to throw to. And that weather and a defensive coach in his first year with the new system, with a new offensive coordinator, it, it all spells bad news. And I'm from Chicago, so I know that uh, people are just kind of probably watching the preseason with a smile on their face, drinking beers in the summer, uh, enjoying the, the ATS and straight-up win from new coach Matt Eberflus. But it's, uh, it's fool's gold at this point. I, I don't see them having much success come, uh, come the fall. We've only got about 30 seconds, but there's one thing we haven't even mentioned their home non-conference schedule is not favorable. They open up against the 49ers. They get to host the Buffalo Bills, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Miami Dolphins, and they've still got to travel to Dallas. I got to tell you, man, it, the wins are going to be hard to find. Uh, gun to your head, where do you, where do you th- three and fourteen? What do you, where, where have you got them officially? I'm going to go three and fourteen. And here's another stat for you: Fields over under fourteen half. 14 and a half interceptions, that's by far the highest in the league. That tells you something. Okay, good stuff, McKenzie. Good stats here. We'll see you next week. Thank you, brother. See you next week, man. Okay, very good. 
Uh, we're in agreement. The Bears are a hot mess, and Justin Fields does not have a lot to work with. And uh, let's just hope he stays healthy because his style of play is still not yet conducive to what I consider to be a major league quarterback. Doesn't mean he can't develop into that, but he's got a ways to go. Coming up, we got Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. Plenty of topics. Remember, this is a World Cup year. We're about 91 days away from that great game, USA and England, and you're already starting to see commercials for it. But first, let's go back to Nick Cope for the latest. Well, speaking on the Bears, they did get some good news on the other side of the ball on Saturday. Linebacker Roquan Smith ended his hold-in and said he will play out the final year of his rookie contract. Some other personnel news in the league. Panthers head coach Matt Rule says quarterback Matt Corral is likely out for the season after he tore a ligament in his foot in Friday night's preseason game against the Patriots. He was competing to be the third-string quarterback behind Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. And the Buccaneers in their preseason loss to the Titans on Saturday, they might have lost their left guard for some time. Aaron Stiney was carted off, or excuse me, Aaron Stinney was carted off the field with a left knee injury, and head coach Todd Bull says the team is waiting on more tests. Some NBA news to pass along here. Oklahoma City Thunder rookie Chet Holmgren suffered an apparent ankle injury while he was defending LeBron James in the crossover pro-am on Saturday in Seattle. He left less than two minutes into the game. In Major League Baseball, Dodgers shut out the Marlins 7-0. Dustin May returned from Tommy John surgery, struck out nine in five scoreless innings in his first big league start since May 2021. And the Padres got a much-needed win against the Nationals. Juan Soto and Josh Bell each hit solo homers against their former team. A stunner at UFC 278, Leon Edwards knocked out welterweight champ Kamaru Usman with a head kick late in the fifth round of their bout. And coming up today, the final round of the BMW Championship, part of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Patrick Cantley at the top of the leaderboard with a one-shot lead at 12 under. Bernie? All right, thanks so much, Nick. Good job tonight. And uh, it's this time every week uh, that this feature is taken on a strong life of its own. And it has to do with the fact that there is always news in the world of soccer. And, and the bottom line is it's a World Cup year so that even accentuates the situation. But when you add that to the fact that soccer, like other sports, they have trade deadlines and transfer windows, and people like to speculate when you've got big-name teams and big-name players, well, that's why we bring in Chris Perfett. It's time for Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. The greatest goals. I've just seen the most insane goal I have ever seen. The thrilling finishes. International drama. El Chicharito, Chicharito, Chicharito. Ahí, ahí la tiene Torrado. It's all here in this report from the world of soccer. Before we get going, we got to do a quick shout out, Bernie, to Harry Kane of Tottenham Hotspur scoring his 185th goal for Tottenham this, this weekend. That breaks a tie with Sergio Aguero for most goals in the Premier League for a single club. Aguero had 184 for Manchester City. Harry Kane now 185 for a single club. And it's fascinating for a lot of reasons because this time last year, Harry Kane was being tied to a lot of rumors that he wanted out of Tottenham Hotspur because this is, we are nearing the transfer window deadline for the summer period in European soccer. It, the deadline is September 1st. So it. Hey, uh, you know what, Chris? What's up? Quick question for you because Harry Kane, they're – they're uh, determining that his value is $120 million. Someone willing to pay him that? 
It's uh, it's fascinating. I think I think he's become comfortable again in Hotspur. I think last last year there was a, definitely a rift between him and the club that was that was really happening. He wanted to kind of go somewhere else to maybe try to start to compete more in Europe. But uh, Tottenham has been one of these clubs on the rise. They are going to be competing well in Europe this year, and I think I think those those uh, th- those are those are settled. I have not seen many rumors on Harry Kane being moved. He's valued uh, you, very spot well. On, spot on reporting by you. I was told he isn't moving. He's got a British car collection. He only drives Jaguars, <laughs> Bentleys, and Range Rovers. True, true story. No Aston ahead. Martins in there? Hmm. No, I, well, maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jaguar. Jaguar. I love I love those commercials. Jaguar. Remind me how to, how to say it. Um, anyway, so transfer window is coming up September 1st, so we'll have one more World of Soccer before the transfer window closes. It's by, by the way, one of the reasons I like this report so much is there's so many layers. You know that Harry Kane has a Man City tattoo, right? You know about that. Oh yeah, I know about that. <laughs> know. Uh, oh, go ahead, Chris. It's uh, fascinating there. Yeah, yeah. It, it not 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 interesting at all. I mean, well, not, not, not the rumors. Not weird not at all. the rumors. Oh you know? yeah, no. I well, here's uh, like another great rumor. This is why I love the transfer window rumors. People, it, I, I have seen the soccer world call it silly season. It's silly season for a reason. Like like this one, for example, that. Uh, Joao Cancelo, who works, who uh, plays for Barcelona, has, re- um, I mean, no, that Manchester City, excuse me, he's revealed that Bernardo Silva, who's at Man City, is living with him as Barcelona is eyeing a move for the Portuguese midfielder. Like, just that that's the kind of rumors that fly around here. It's like, oh yeah, my guy has kind of sold his flat, and now he's living with me, just bunking with me while he gets ready to be moved to Barcelona. Hmm. That's the kind of stuff that happens during these windows. Things roll around. And I warn, I warn people every time, half the things you read don't happen. Just because it's it's so weird, things happen so much, so much money gets moved around, teams make up their minds. And Manchester United, who I feel like I need to figure out another team to talk about next week, because I feel like we've talked about them for four weeks straight now, just because they've been such a weird story, right? No points oh, yeah. in the first two weeks. No uh, goals. No goals whatsoever. They, they have been a dumpster fire. They've been trying to, you know, pawn off Cristiano Ronaldo, who finally this week says that he is content with being up on the transfer market, but nobody really seems to want Cristiano Ronaldo at this stage of his career. But Manchester United did get uh, Brazilian uh, Brazilian player Casemiro, uh, 30-year-old. He's going to cost north of about 60 million pounds when all fees are included, but it is a massive, massive win for Manchester United who needs the reinforcements, who needs to shake up their starting 11 very badly. And one of the other rumors, we talked about him a little bit last week, Bernie, uh, with rumors to another club, but as you say, it's a World Cup year. The USA superstar Christian Pulisic, who is currently playing with Chelsea, he has the situation with him at Chelsea is fascinating. His current manager, there's been rumors that he doesn't trust him. Those The two of them go back to playing time in Germany, Pulisic does not really get on the starting eleven a lot. And if you are a superstar for a team like the United States, you need starting time. So there's been a lot of rumors that Christian Pulisic might be on the might be on the block, either as a loan or a permanent from Chelsea. And Manchester United, they are in rumors with to basically have a player swap between him and Harry Maguire, which yeah. would, which would be fascinating. I think Pulisic would give them. Uh, definitely some of the it would help out both sides there it would help out Manchester United shake up that starting 11 for exactly what they need and it gets Pulisic the, the minutes the starting time rather than coming in as a substitution in Chelsea matches 
Well, it's my understanding, and I follow Sky Sports. They're reporting basically the that Man U is is uh, is not expecting to get uh, Christian Pulisic and, and to pry him away from Chelsea. And by the way, not for nothing, because they haven't played since last time we talked. Man U plays Liverpool later today. I can't imagine what I that believe, place. Will I believe look that's like. Monday, actually. Uh, it's I'm, listed at the twenty. Is it twenty? Uh, correct. The twenty second. Yes, right. the twenty second. But that that's that's noon Pacific, three p.m. Eastern. It is it is alone. It's basically Monday Night Football. It is it is perfect for everyone to watch that. I don't give Man U a lot of hope in that game. Liverpool is still oh, Liverpool. Man. They are still a dominant force, one of the strongest teams in Europe. And it will be it will be a home a home match for Manchester. So maybe they get to pull it out there. But uh, if they don't pull it out, well, heads you know, are going to roll very quickly. They they do a lot of betting over in the Premier League too. And I've looked ahead in that game, and Liverpool is a sixty percent chance. To win that game, and I gotta tell you, you talk about teeth gnashing. If Man U starts out zero and three, oh, and they're yeah. behind teams like Leicester City and West Ham, not good. I think we went over their schedule last week as well, Bernie. We did. Like they're we did. they're they are. This is the first part of a gauntlet they're going to. Remember, their losses were against they, they like they they lost to Brighton Hove and Al, Brighton Hove and Albion, and they lost to Brentford. They they haven't been losing to the elites of the Premier League. Now they get to play a lot of those elites, and it's not going to be good if you're losing, if you're giving up four goals and a half to Brentford, who was just promoted last year. Uh, two more topics I really want to get to as we kind of round down World Soccer. What's up? Yeah, no, go ahead, bud. You're on. All right. So first off, you mentioned CBS. They obviously got yes. a Big Ten contract. Great news for them. However, big news for them in the world of soccer in that they have renewed. They are current. They had right now in the United States the Champions League contract. They've renewed that contract for another six years to a cool averaging around $250 million a year. So they'll be, they'll be paying over the course of six years $1.5 billion for the Champions League. No, that, is, is, that is real this money. Is, it's, it's incredible, and uh, there's a great article about this in The Athletic three days ago talking about that, so good stuff. Yeah, and then finally, coming up on Wednesday, I know we've talked about it before, but uh, you mentioned it to me before the show, the FX series Welcome to Wrexham will be taking off yes. on Wednesday. Uh, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. The background to this is that they bought a club on the fifth tier, I believe fifth tier of the British, uh, of the English football system down in the National League, Wrexham FC, a, a longtime struggling Welsh club, and they have bought this club as their owners. They're they're coming in. They want to like renovate it. it it's fascinating in a, in a year where I think Hard Knocks has really pumped a very positive, uh, you know, vision of the Detroit Lions. They've pumped a very positive vision of Dan Campbell, and we've had the series on Apple TV. Ted Lasso. These guys have really positioned themselves that this is going to be a documentary series. I mean, obviously, who knows? It's sports. It's not scripted. But they have a lot of hope that they can give a very positive, feel-good spin to this story of two guys, two guys with no ties whatsoever to Wrexham, the sport of soccer, coming in and trying to inject some hope and life into a club that has, you know, so- soccer's more than life and death for 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 people around in Europe, Bernie. That's right. It's, it's more than that. So what's interesting is you'd mentioned Wrexham in this report. I honestly, I think I know a little bit about soccer. Had never heard of them. They're spelled W-R-E-X-H-A-M. Of course, you mentioned the angle, Rob McElhaney and Ryan Reynolds. Wrexham, fresh off their 5 nothing win yesterday against, and I've never heard of Maidstone. Have you? 
No, we're we're talking fifth tier here. I've I've not heard but, of a lot but, of these. But guys. here's the <laughs> kicker: you don't see this very often. We only got about thirty seconds. Somebody named Paul Mullen scored a hat trick for Wrexham. How often do you see a hat trick in soccer? Mm, I I will be very excited to see that when the FX series kicks off. I'm sure that'll make the footage somewhere in there. It'll be a lot like Hard Knocks. We know about some of what's going on with Wrexham, but eventually we'll get to see it down the road as that documentary series unfolds. (laughs) By the way, we have a giant FX billboard right outside the studio here in Sherman Oaks, and it has Ryan Reynolds and and Rob McElhenney on it. And just to be funny, they have W's in front of their, their, their names. So it's Rob with a W and Ryan with a W. And by the way, uh, Rob McElhaney, as you said earlier, made his bones with all he's sunny in Philadelphia. He was there for Wrexham's 5 nothing win against Maidstone, and he saw the hat trick up close in personal. All right, good stuff, Chris. Very good. Chris Perfett's World of Soccer, and as we get closer and closer to that fateful Friday on Thanksgiving weekend when the USA plays England, I promise you, this will be the most watched soccer game involving a a U.S. team in history. I absolutely believe that, and it would be incredible if they can get a W. Coming up, a certain famous person who everybody loves to hate on turned 45 a couple of weeks ago and joined an exclusive club. So to all you ageists out there, you can go kick rocks, pound sand, and take a hike. I'm going to defend this guy. He's still a multiple-time champion, and he has joined an exclusive club. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Keep it locked. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, Go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Now we're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from Las Vegas. Fox Sports Radio Studios, winding it down. And before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team. That would be Tad Vistek, Nick Cope on the updates, and, of course, Chris Perfett, our technical producer. They have been with me. Since 11 p.m. Saturday night, August 20th, Pacific Time. And we've enjoyed these last four hours. Rousing show tonight, as always. By the way, before I get to the birthday boy that I believe has joined a very exclusive club, in case you missed it, the NBA dropped their full Christmas Day schedule. And it is pretty cool, man. Uh, You got... Celtics, Lakers, or 76 or Celtics, Lakers, Warriors. The bottom line is there's five great matchups 
uh, on Christmas Day. Golden State, Memphis, Boston, Milwaukee, uh, Lakers, Dallas. You had Luke and LeBron, Sixers, Knicks, and then you close it out with uh, the Suns and the Denver Nuggets. It's a quintuplet of Christmas Day games. And here's the kicker. Christmas Day this year falls on a Sunday. So they're get, guess what? They're going head up against the National Football League. And if you don't get your sports appetite satiated by that on that day, uh, then something, something is wrong with you. Uh, so Christmas Day, this is rousing. Uh, by the way, World Cup will just be wrapping up. This is going to be an incredible fall sports calendar. All right. I'm directing what I'm about to say to all you ages out there that think you're so cool. You can go kick rocks, pound sand, and take a hike. Got by the name of Tom Brady turned 45 on August 3rd. I know you all pissed off at him for because you're jealous. You hate him, right? Why? He wins too much. Seven Super Bowls. Goes to Tampa Bay, wins. Takes a couple weeks off. My my thinking is he had some family event planned. Everybody wants gloom and doom and mass singer and all that. Why don't we just wait and see? And he comes back. And you know, if Tampa Bay is back in the NFC Championship this year, you've forgotten about it. But Brady, by turning five, 45, joined an exclusive club of athletes who not only played but excelled after turning 45, assuming he doesn't decline too much from last year's second-place MVP campaign. Who, what, what are some other athletes that turned 45 and excelled like Brady? Nolan Ryan. Back in 1992 at age 45, Ryan became the Major League Baseball all-time leader in strikeouts and no-hitters, seven of them, and actually had a 3.7 ERA in 27 starts at age 45. How about Gordie Howe? In 1974, Gordie Howe at age 46, who had already been a six-time NHL MVP hockey player, put together a 100-point season and was named MVP of the WHA, the Houston Arrows. The league was only two years old, but six years later... I saw a 50-year-old Gordie Howe play his final game in the Forum in Los Angeles. He got checked over the boards, landed on his head. Student Dan says, Gordie, why don't you wear a helmet? He said, well, I always rather wear a cup than a helmet because somebody else can do the thinking for you. How about Jack Nicklaus? The last of his 18 record majors came in 1986 at age 46 at the Masters, making him the oldest Masters champion ever. And let's not forget Martina Navratilova. She won the mixed doubles at Wimbledon in 2003 at age 46 and the U.S. Open in 2006 at age 49. The latter made her tennis's oldest major champion ever. So take that, put you, put that in your Tom Brady pipe and smoke at 45 years old. We'll see what he does this year. I know you'll all be rooting against him. How's that been working out for you so far? All right, folks, that is going to do it for tonight. Straight out of Vegas. Fox Sports Radio and Fox Sports Sunday. I'm Bernie Frado. Thanks so much for listening. Fox Sports Front. Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Sunday continues. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, 
Oh my god, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Any college baseball fans out there? If you're traveling to see your team and need a place to stay, two words for you. Graduate hotels. We stayed at the Nashville location for the SEC tournament. It was awesome. Beautiful rooms, cool vibe, and perfect location. They have over 30 hotels in the best college towns. And get this, they'll give you up to 30% off your stay with code CRSHOW. That's C-R-S-H-O-W. Good at any graduate hotel, any location, up to 30% off. Book today at graduatehotels.com.